Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long runtime as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned pop thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 413. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftovers. Joker here, the clown prince of crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast, Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the Leftovers. Yeah. Just got done recording our uh, Doctor Strange bonus episodes, Jake. Yeah, that was a lot of fucking fun. I strongly recommend listening to those. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, some people are just going to stay away from both. A lot of people, maybe more people will listen to the trailer breakdown, and then you're going to have the spoiler pussies that want nothing to do. With the spoiler episode, Jake. Yeah, you know, this is the first time we've kind of done it like that, and I'm kind of interested in seeing, like, the analytics when it's all said and done, if that many more people listen to just the trailer one and not the spoiler one. That's eh, interesting. I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, I'd have to I'd have to actually go to iTunes for those analytics because, like, people will download the episode, but then on iTunes I can actually see, like, how many minutes were played from the episodes. So, yeah, be interesting to see. But we are not alone this week, Jake. We are also joined uh, by uh, Billy Blinks from the Reality Guys uh, from uh, from their YouTube channel. Uh, welcome, Billy. What's going on, fellas? What's up, yeah. Billy? How's it going? It's good, man. Uh, I had a good time. Obviously, this is episode three for us recording, so feeling nice and warmed up. But I'm excited to be back on a, a regular episode. Yeah, it, regular. Is it? Is it? Are, are any of the episodes regular, Jake? Yeah, it's the regular format. Yeah, I guess, is what he means. Not like mm-hmm. regular, as in we're regular people talking about regular things, because that is not a true statement. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like kind of like a, a regular morning dump, is what this these episodes turn out to be. <laughs> it's important. Yeah, you should, I think a better word would have been average. Now we're doing the average episode yeah. of Pop yeah. Culture Leftovers. Yeah, mediocre, you know. Yeah, let's, let's not shoot for the sky here, Jake. <laughs> average is the sky? When I'm on it, we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I've got a couple contests, Jake. Two contests we're going to be running this week. And so uh, the first one is for uh, Run and Gun. 
got five digital codes for run and gun. After leaving a life of crime and violence, Ray is a reformed good guy enjoying a quiet family life in the burbs. But when his past is discovered, Ray is blackmailed into one last job to collect a mysterious package. After a deadly double cross, he finds himself wounded and on the run from ruthless assassins. That's the run part, Jake. That's the run part. Yeah, I was going to say, is he also on the gun? I'm, I'm confused. I'm impatient. No, it's... Well, we'll find out. We'll find... Here we go. He's on the run from ruthless assassins who will stop at nothing to get what he has. Now... With the lives of his loved ones hanging in the balance and danger at every turn, Ray's only hope is to draw upon his violent past to survive. Stars Richard Kind and Angela Serafon and uh, got five digital codes for run and gun. I'm going to be sending out a Facebook post and a tweet on Twitter. All you'll have to do is retweet, share the post on Facebook, take a screenshot proving that you did so, and send me an email uh, with the screenshot to contest at popcultureleftovers.com. And next week, I'll be giving out the uh, five digital codes. Remember, these contests are for U.S. residents only. Uh, but, uh, yes, you'll have a chance at winning Run and Gun. If not, definitely check it out on Video On Demand. Uh, the second contest, contest number two, we just started a new promotion here. It's for Stephen King and Richard Chismar's new book, uh, in the Gwendy's Button Box Trilogy. Um, it's, uh, f- uh, the prize here is five audiobook copies of the trilogy and, uh, that we can give out. So five winners for the, uh, book copies of the trilogy. Uh, when Gwendy Peterson was 12, a mysterious stranger named Richard Ferris gave her a mysterious box for safekeeping. It offered treats and vintage coins, but it was dangerous. And so, yeah, this is a uh, Gwendy's Final Task by Stephen King. And um, five audiobook copies of the trilogy here. Uh, I'll be sending same rules apply. Uh, title this one, uh, Gwendy's Final Task. And um, uh, retweet or share the Facebook post. Share, give me the screenshot. Send it to uh, contest at popcultureleftovers.com. And I'll go over the five winners for the uh, Stephen King, Gwendy's Final Task audiobooks. That's very exciting. How has the new email been working out for you ever since announcing that we'll no longer accept from the old one? Uh, pretty good. As of the last week, it worked out really good. Nice, nice. Yeah. Good job, listeners. I'm impressed. Yeah. Oh, also wanted to mention when it comes to Gwendy's final task, uh, visit stephenkingaudio.com to learn more about Stephen King and Richard Chismar's electrifying new audiobook, Gwendy's Final Task. Uh, return to Castle Rock in this final installment of the New York Times bestselling Gwendy's Button Box Trilogy. Download Gwendy's Final Task wherever audiobooks are sold or visit stephenkingaudio.com to learn more. So yeah, very excited uh, to be promoting anything Stephen King. Very fucking cool. So definitely enter these contests today and we'll go over the winners next week for both contests. How fun and exciting is that? It's pretty fucking fun and exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to I need to get on that Gwendy's train. It sounds pretty cool. I've read a few write-ups on it and it definitely sounds like something that would be up my alley. Yeah. Check that out soon. Have you heard about, uh, have you heard, they're caffeinating everything these days, Jake. Everything's getting caffeinated. Oh, everything. God. They're caffeinating everything. 
The only my toothpaste. That's what I want to know right away when I wake up. Yeah, right. Brush caffeine <laughs> on. Right in your fucking face. Maybe we can make safe sex more fun and we can fucking stimulate our penises and vaginas with caffeinated condoms. It's ridiculous. Everything is fucking caffeinated. Everything in the world. Have you heard about the latest uh, thing that's going to get caffeinated here uh, when it comes to food? No, I can't wait to hear. Maybe I've heard. <sighs> see here. Let me see if I can look it up on the internet. Heard about this. Uh, the other day let's see here let me see if i could find this i like the, the bottled water have you had that like the water joe what's it called that's, it's called water joe no it's just straight bottled water that's been caffeinated it's really good i if i want caffeinated stuff i would just want it to i just want it to be like a like a drink or something like uh um not not water though I just want, I want water to serve its water is a drink. <laughs> I, I know, but it's why I want water to serve its purpose and just fucking hydrate me. I don't want water to, to fucking is it just caffeinated water, just coffee. No, coffee tastes nothing like it's like a bottle of spring water. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I was. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I like the, I like carbonation when it comes to my caffeinated stuff. I do. I rarely drink coffee. If I do, it's like at a coffee house or something like that. Uh, so yeah. I'm all over the board with it. I like the carbonated stuff. I like the non-carbonated stuff. You know what? I, I bought years ago. I'm going to get to what they're caffeinating here in a moment. Years ago, I bought uh Jolt made ca- uh, caffeinated gum for a very short oh, time. I tried to go. I tried to Jolt gum. Hold on. They, and it was, they basically said like on the package, like two pieces of gum are equivalent to one cup of coffee. Uh, thing is, the gum, the flavor ran out really quick. It was not as bad as like a fucking like uh, uh juicy fruit. Not juicy fruit. The uh, fruit the stripe. Fruit stripe. It wasn't as bad as a fruit stripe, but the gum, the, the the flavor did run out really quickly. And I was at work one day, and I had some of this gum. I, I think I bought it at like GNC or something. So I chewed on a couple pieces, and then uh, you know, I just I guess I just kind of forgot how uh, potent these things are supposed to be. And so I, like, chewed through half of the fucking pack that day. Dude, I was wired. Could not sleep that night. I had, like, the equivalent of, like, five cups of coffee or some shit by the end of it. And it just snuck up on me, dude. I was fucking jittery as fuck. That jolt gum was fucked up, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that's crazy. I've, I've done the gum a few times, and, yeah, you're right. It's hard to just, like, gobble it down. It's like, why would you make something like that so tasty? Right. Exactly. Fuck you. <laughs> it's, I feel like that was such a thing, especially, like, in the 90s, these hyper-caffeinated drinks. You had, like, Surge. You guys remember Surge? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. I can uh, Stuff like that. Surge, and, and then there's crazy. Before Surge, there was Jolt. Yep. And then um, there was also – it was very, very limited. You had to – I got it in Missouri, but there was a drink, and it was only – I only saw it in a bottle. They may have had it in cans or something else, but it was a, a drink called Nitro, oh, and they up. don't sell it anymore. And it tasted like it, – it was weird. It was good, but it tasted like a Pepsi that went flat, but then they, like, recarbonated it again, if that makes any sense. Um, and it was called – I remember one that was, like, Nas. But this was called Nitro, and it came in bottles. And I remember getting it in a gas station in Missouri, and that shit had, like, more caffeine than Jolt. And that shit had me fucking wired. I don't think I slept. (laughs) I don't think I slept for two days after drinking a bunch of those fucking 
jolts. It was yeah, they, don't, they don't make them like they used to. Do you remember the original amp? It was like almost like a cough syrup, like thick sludge. It came in the size of like a eight ounce Red Bull can. It's not like amp is now. I remember was, seeing. I never tried it though. Yeah, it was it was pretty good, man. It got you jolted too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember when, when we were kids, Brian, like Jolt was like contraband. I remember like the, you know, cause there was reports about how bad it was and kids shouldn't drink it. So it was like, you'd get a six pack of Jolt and be like the envy to your friends. Yeah. Um, this is what's, uh, the new caffeinated thing that's going to be coming out is Hostess is coming out with caffeinated donuts called Boost. What? Oh, man. Yeah. That sounds great. I'm in. Fuck that. No. Caffeinated Give donuts? Me a caffeinated white powdered donut, man. That oh, sounds man. great. I'd eat what? that right now. No, it's called, uh, they've got, uh, two flavors. Uh, there, it's, uh, Hostess is expanding America's number one donut lineup. The rollout of its new caffeinated Hostess Boost Jumbo Donuts in two decadent flavors. Chocolate mocha and caramel macchiato. Each hearty donut contains slightly less caffeine, uh, 50 to 70 milligrams than one cup of coffee. But, uh. Hmm. I think it's a mistake to make them coffee flavors, but I would still eat one right now. For adults who are increasingly looking for alternative sources of caffeine, our new hostess Boost Jumbo Donuts offer a tasty energy boosting grab and go way to jumpstart your day. Said Christopher Balak, general manager of Hostess Brands. No. Sounds like a smart guy. You're an idiot. <laughs> I don't like it. I really don't. I, I think it's just like too much. I mean, you don't have to combine everything. It, it just like shows where we're at. Everything has to be combined. And like, just get some coffee, get a drink, and the food. You don't need to combine it. I, I think you need to like, it's like church oh, and Oh, you dip the donut into the coffee. Yeah, but the donut doesn't have to already have the caffeine. Yeah, you know, it's like, have to. how much more caffeine do you need though? Like if, if the, it, you know what I mean? I guess if you're not a coffee drinker and you wanted caffeine, but you can get your caffeine from fucking an energy drink or, or something else. I, I just don't see like people going like, finally, finally, I've got caffeine in my donut. Finally. <laughs> This was made for me. Finally, I I don't want to take it. I don't want to ingest my caffeine in an energy drink or a coffee. I always go for decaf, but now I can get my fucking caffeine from a donut. It's the dumbest fucking shit. When you were announcing this and you said hostess, my first thought was, oh fuck yeah, caffeinated Twinkies. No, not caffeinated Twinkies. They're gonna they're gonna start off with. Uh, with these fucking donuts. Then they'll probably put it in the Twinkies and all the other bullshit. Caffeinated crimpets. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Bear claws. <laughs> look forward to, look forward to boost the caffeinated donut coming out this month. All right. Which one, which one do you want to try more? Uh, neither. How about that? <laughs> that was a loaded question. How about, how about neither of them? Yes. I just don't. I, I I'll get my caffeine from other places. They don't need to sneak it into my fucking food. And I <laughs> and the last thing I'm going to be eating is like fucking donuts. Like I love donuts, but my god, you know. I love how like 30 episodes later on PCL, it's going to be like this episode brought to you by Hostess Boost. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, let's. Uh, you guys ready to jump into some good pop, bad pop? Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, you guys sound, sound rampant. I mean, I go. haven't had a boost donut, so, but I saw I'm as ready as I can be. You can get your caffeine from another place, Jake. Every fucking week you're taking a five fucking, you're taking a break so you can go piss because you've been drinking something with caffeine in it. Yeah, I haven't maybe, maybe, yeah, I no. Early, so I was feeling pretty awake. Maybe these donuts would soak up some of that fucking piss and you won't be fucking taking bathroom breaks so regularly. <laughs> That's right. PCL. That's right. Who's talking trash now? I know. I'll buy these for you, you motherfucker. You need them. You and your fucking full bladder every fucking 30 minutes. That's what I've been saying. You fucking, you're like, you're, you're worse than my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, my grandpa would just keep going. He would have just pissed himself and we would have kept recording. Now, he's a man. I'm not trying to say I'm more manly than your grandpa. No, it's just elderly and couldn't control bowels or <laughs> bladder, Jake. That's all it really came. Your body starts falling apart when you get that old, Jake. I know. I was trying to give it a positive spin. Yeah. And it's like recording with Grandpa. It's like, oh, fuck. Grandpa shit himself again. We'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, thank God for Skype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's see here. All right. It's time for a good pop, bad pop. Man, the elderly really took a hit there, Jake. <laughs> Didn't they? I was thinking the same. I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna we say really ages there. Uh huh. No, it's not. No, we were just speaking truths. <laughs> it's gonna happen to bombs. me one day. Uh, there's gonna be one day I'm recording one of these episodes. I'll be like in my 60s or something like that, and I'll just drop a deuce. And I'll be, and then I, I won't say nothing. I'll just be like, oh, let's take a quick break and. Brian's been gone for a while. Yeah. <laughs> makes me feel like it may have happened already. Brian shit himself. No, it hasn't that happened. It may already. or may not have. It hasn't happened. I haven't, no, like, truth be told, I haven't shit myself on an episode yet. <laughs> I know that's wild to believe. Truth be told, I mean, though. It's been a lot of episodes. I wouldn't have taken it against you. I haven't shit myself during an episode. <laughs> we haven't been in Marvel news and I dropped a deuce in my pants yet. <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> All right. Uh. Time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Ah, speaking of bumpers, Jake, uh, the, the, we did a uh, Lost Bumpers episode for Patreon. Me, Handy Greg, and uh, Mr. Joe Stark from Starkcast. Yeah, I listened to that episode. I absolutely loved it. It was some of those I had never even heard. It yeah. was pretty It was wild. It was a crazy walk down memory lane. I didn't realize the uh the Blaine thing had its own bumper and Yeah. Yeah, yeah you finally played the Star Wars bumper for people. Yeah. Yeah, finally played it. Have you gotten any kind of response from that other than the people that were on the show? Uh, yeah, uh, I think in the Patreon messaging, somebody was, uh, they, they said it was really nice to finally hear the Star Wars bumper, but no negative feedback on it. So that's, yeah, only that, that's, ex- that's exclusive. That's, ex- that's a, Judy. yeah, that's a Jake, that's a Jake exclusive. No, Shooty was just following suit with you. 
Oh, I, I'm going to give Shooty at least credit that he's his own man, that he yeah. came to his own decision. Oh, I, I'm, I'm not. Fuck that. He just followed suit with you. Fuck it. I may have given him the balls to have the opinion he had. Yeah. But I, I think it was his own opinion. Probably. Probably. Both of you just fucking destroyed me that day. Let's reminisce. Let's take a, let's reminisce about that, Jake. Let's spend, oh, one, of my, one of my favorite times. It is, I'm sure. Yeah, capture the, <laughs> capture the moment. There's two moments that Jake loves so much. The day that he fucking shit all over my Star Wars bumper and the day that I shit myself during Marvel News on an episode. <laughs> Those are two, two fucking hallmark moments for you, Jake. <laughs> Classic. When we Next. finally do the best of PCL episode, I'll demand those are both in there. Jake's like, both of those moments are metaphorical boost donuts for me. They get me going in the morning. <laughs> those are those are Nexus events. Yeah, those are caramel macchiato events. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, good pop, bad pop. We had uh, Super Bowl trailers drop. Uh, did you guys, uh, did you have a favorite? Jake. I mean, for me, it was the Doctor Strange trailer. Sure. I, I just was, yeah, I couldn't wait. I mean, it actually technically came out like an hour before the Super Bowl, but it was still a Super Bowl trailer later on. Yeah. Yeah, new Sam Raimi movie. I, nothing's going to top that. Yeah. Yeah, what did you guys think about the uh, Nope trailer, the uh, Jordan Peele movie trailer? I'm, I'm very excited. I I think the stuff he's done is genius. I, I can't wait to see the, the next chapter of it. You know, I'm very in on anything yeah. he puts out. I still don't know what the fuck the movie's about, but my God, I was just like, I was blown away by the trailer. I cannot wait to see this movie. Yeah, that's the fun of it all is like, I feel like all three of his movies have done a good job of that where you get a small little gist, but you really just don't know what the actual plot's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will, I guess we will touch on, uh, we got a trailer for the uh, new Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power from Amazon and uh I'll be honest with you like I was really looking forward to this I still am looking forward to the series but I don't think that this was like the best trailer so you know as far as like a rating on the Lord of the Rings trailer I I'm going to give it a taste it uh I just I really feel like I don't know I just didn't get it. I I want to see more of Middle Earth it just it, I mean yeah we saw elves and stuff but man I just was I was not blown away by um the effects or or really anything in the trailer I think it looks beautiful at certain points but I mean it really it's holding its story close to the vest and hopefully they're just holding on to the best parts so I'll give it a taste it though what did you think Jake yeah, I'm right there with you. I think I'm a little bit even lower than you on it. I think I'm probably at a low taste it. I think it's a little bit of a disservice to this show that it's so publicized how it's the most expensive show ever made. And I'm hoping that this isn't final product because it really kind of had that Hobbit CGI look that I just don't really care for to it. And it was kind of just all over the place. And uh, I think they would have been better served to show us a really powerful like 90 second scene than what they showed us here. I just, just didn't hit for me at all. Like, I'm still excited for the show. I can't see what it's going to do or can't wait to see what it's going to do. I'm sure it'll be a lot more cohesive than what we saw in this trailer. But, but yeah, this didn't do it for me. I wasn't like, oh, now I'm going to be glued to my TV the day this comes on based on this. Yeah. So, yeah. low taste it. Uh, Billy, what'd you think? I agree with a lot of the points you guys are making. I think you know that my 
excitement for anything Tolkien related is always going to be at a 10. But I think what they need to be careful with with the marketing of this show is I think almost less is more. I think they need to have a lot of cool thematic things that they're showing that doesn't even have to really be footage. Let them get the finalized look of everything as they're working on the effects. I know it's not coming out until September. But I think they need to be careful because for better or worse right now, there's a different kind of you know youth fantasy series coming out every week, whether it's on Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, etc. And I don't it's they're going to do themselves a disservice if they start to wash themselves in with all those type of things. And that trailer looked like a trailer you would see for anything that wasn't Tolkien related. There was nothing you saw in there that made you think, oh, Lord of the Rings. And I think until they have how they want to present it or finish off what they're doing, they're better off showing less and just talking about the mythology they want to go into and like you guys said, maybe a short scene of something that's really dynamite. But um, the trailer was a low taste it for me, but like I said, I'm still really excited for what the promise this series may have. I just think they need to be careful with how they market it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'm really worried about the special effects. And I was here I got an email. I'm not gonna name the listener uh that sent me the email. Um but uh, he's, this is what he sent. Uh, for when you guys go over the new Amazon Rings of Power show trailer, uh, if you want to, you can share this story on the podcast. And this listener goes on to say, a good friend of mine is actually working for a production company that is working with Amazon to make the show. And he is on that project. After the trailer came out, he told me that the whole thing behind the scenes was an absolute mess and incredibly disorganized and that the Amazon people were not prepared or equipped at all to handle such a big project and were committed to using CGI for a good deal of it without the experience needed to use that much CGI. The production company was apparently hired to help with specific elements but became, but became basically consultants on the whole thing because Amazon had no clue what they were undertaking, including the directors. One example was my friend said they received designs for this sword, Narsal, sword that cuts the ring from Sauron. And it was like golden and had the sun on it and looked completely different. And the company told Amazon... Hey, you know this sword exists already and doesn't look like this. And they basically replied, we don't have time to change it. Fans won't care that much. God, oh, boy. Uh Uh-oh. I mean, if they think Star Wars people are crazy, the Lord of the Rings people were there before the Star Wars people. They'll go nuts if it's not even the right tinge of a color or, oh, my God. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, first off, like, yeah, let's let's work on the accuracy, <laughs> you know? Let's definitely work on the accuracy. That sounds like Brian Singer talking about the X-Men back in the day. That has me really worried. And then, um, I mean, all this money for, you know, CGI and sets and all this stuff, and if you're not going to put that money to good use and still not make the CGI look that great, like, what? Who cares about this big budget that you're posting if you're not using the dollars well? Yeah, so. Where's all the money going in the first place? It's ridiculous. Like it, you could spend half this with people that know what they're doing and make it look even better. Like mm-hmm. so, yeah, it just sounds like bad micromanagement on how they're spending that effects money. 
Yeah, yeah. And just not ha- not doing enough previs. Like I, I think they just maybe rushed this rushed this to the gate a little bit too fast. Yeah. He did say on the bright side he heard from others in the industry that the Hobbit movies were even more of a mess. But I guess so. That that th- those were even more of a mess. But I don't want this to be a mess. I love. Middle Earth. I love Tolkien's creations and I really want this show to be a hit. I really want it to be a huge hit. And, um, yeah, man, I'm, it has me a little worried though. Not gonna lie. God. On the plus side, it's not gonna be as bad as this thing. I was like, oh boy, that's not good. Yeah. Yeah, it really instills confidence in the fan base. Uh, Sonic movie looks fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed the first one. I thought it was fun. I think the, the second one looks fun. So, um, yeah, I think Sonic looked fun. Yeah, Idris Elba and Knuckles. Uh, how can you go wrong with that? I, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey was, like, the best Jim Carrey we've seen in, like, a decade in that movie. So it'll be fun to see him do that character again. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, especially seems like it, like, it, like they're committed to investing in that world and expanding it and stuff too, which will be really cool. Yeah, uh, let's uh, dive into. I don't know do, any other trailers that you wanted to talk about. There are more. I mean, that came uh, out, I can't but, remember any other well, Super I mean, Bowl trailers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jurassic World already had come out that week, and uh, yeah, let's just dive into the Peacemaker finale. Cool. I fucking loved it. It's an absolute Tupperware. Like, this whole season was just absolutely incredible. And I know it has its, like, detractors. I know that there are people that there are – there is this – even though, like, it is, like, HBO Max and, like, number one show, it's got, like, all these views and – there are still some people on the DC side, like, DC fans that just do not like James Gunn's – vision of the DC. I've seen like them saying, you know, um, and I'm not saying it's all Snyderverse fans, but there are a lot of the Snyder fans that are saying like, you know, it's your fault. This is why we got Peacemaker. This is why the DC is, you know, that's why you've got like spoilers for the end of Peacemaker. That's why you've got like the Justice League showing up and dropping F-bombs and making jokes. It's because you didn't want the dark versions that we had originally, you know, from the Snyderverse. This is why we're getting this stuff. This is why they're making these changes. It's your fault. You asked for it. I think there's room for a lot of things. I think that there is definitely room and... You know, there's going to be people people that disagree, one of them being on this podcast. I think there is room for a Man of Steel movie where we look at the origin story for Superman that way. But I also think, like, once you get through that, I think there's room for, like, R-rated stuff and jokes and dick and fart shit. I think even in Marvel you can do it. I think you can have, like, the fucking, you know, Captain America be the Boy Scout. But then on the flip side, you can have fucking Deadpool dropping F-bombs and getting packed. I think there's room for all this shit. I love what James Gunn did with Peacemaker. And here's a, I mean, here's a character. I don't think anybody gave a fuck about Peacemaker before this series and before the Suicide Squad. I loved it. And I have no, uh, I have no beef with the way James Gunn has handled these characters. I have no beef with the way he handled the Justice League at the end of that. And, uh, really, uh, really loved the finale so much and i'm so happy we're going to get a season two and i'm hoping you know like in the first season we got a lot of the flashbacks of um you know peacemakers growing up i'm hoping in the second season 
um, we get flashbacks of where Harcourt came from or where um, uh, Adebayo came from, like her being raised by Amanda Waller. I want to see their stories. I'm really curious about Harcourt and where she comes from. She's kind of like a mystery at this point to me. But man, that Peacemaker finale, fucking, it is Tupperware. Tupperware all the way. This is... I mean, we're only, you know, two months into the year, but it, it right now I think it's my favorite show. So, uh, Billy, what'd you think? Oh, I agree. The whole season was a total Tupperware for me. I just love that he's able to infuse, you know, crude humor and hyper-violence, but there's also a lot of human elements to it. The Economo scene where he had to pretend to be a butterfly, so he had to reveal some of his inner deep, insecurities and you got to see the, our main character's reaction to that and that was very humanizing you got to hear the butterflies kind of their motivations and that scene was you know hit home to people if you kind of you know, just think about the parallels to real life and then obviously i just summed the stuff like i loved vigilante i thought he was great the adrian chase character throughout i i just really really enjoyed it um it was just such a surprise to me. I mean, I've always been a big John Cena fan, obviously being a big wrestling fan, but then obviously his early, his work through his early acting career, always a big fan of John Cena. So I'm really excited to hear that they're going to come back. And like I said, I, it was just such a pleasant surprise. It definitely has been my favorite show of 2022 so far. Yeah, I agree. Jake, uh, I know we I, we talked kind of like earlier this week and you caught up on it and you watched all the episodes. Did you just binge? How many episodes did you binge? I watched five episodes in a row in one sitting. Wow. Okay. And? I mean, I loved it. I'm right there with you guys. This, this is easily my favorite show of the year so far. I, I think with the show, I was just... It seemed really easy to dodge spoilers. I wasn't seeing any. And after that first week of watching three episodes back to back and how much I loved it, I didn't think I could do just 45 minutes to an hour of this show once a week. I knew I had to have it in chunks. If it was every other week or just watching all the rest of it in one go, that was what I was going to do. And yeah, this show is fucking brilliant. I mean, I think it's uh, definitely the best acting we've seen from John Cena. I think it's just so crazy that this is the same character from Suicide Squad and they made all the nuances believable. Like, you know, it's it's so awesome how they continue that over. I'm surprised people are upset at the uh, James, like, gun style in the DC. Like, I get it. But I think, like, even though I'm a Man of Steel detractor, I still agree that different kinds of tones should be allowed within the universe you create. Or you really risk it going really stale. Like, you just it's worth it to like dip your toes into different thematic pools. And I don't think James Gunn's style is going to define every DC property from here on out. And that, that's just a silly way to look at it. And it's like the playground he has, isn't like destroying Superman. Like even with the spoiler of the justice league at the end, it's not like anything that happened there destroyed any future vision of those characters still appearing in movies. So I think it's a bit of overreacting. Like, I think you can not like this show and also not think it's going to be the destruction of the DC movie universe that you know and love. But yeah, I thought the finale was just absolutely great. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see season two. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm really excited how, um, Robert Patrick is still going to be part of this show. I think big time, even in season two, and I think it's brilliant how they dealt with his dad issues with that character. And that character is like an early runner for villain of the year. Like not only is this show of the year, but 
man, what a great performance by Robert Patrick. I, yeah. I think it's career defining, you know, late in his career for him. Oh, he's, he's great, man. He'll show up every once in a while in something and I'm just like, oh, what did he showed up fucking, um, last, well, was it this season? I mean, this season of Walking Dead is like fucking, they're breaking it up into three parts, but he showed up and did one episode, played two characters and was incredible. He was so good. I, Billy, yeah, did, yeah, did you watch- I love Robert Patrick. I just think maybe he doesn't have the best agent. Like he definitely is in a lot of like questionable oh, sure. stuff. Yeah, I mean you've got. I mean, I, what was I looking at the other day? It's like I saw a movie with uh, what's his name, Emil Hirsch and John Cusack in a movie, and it was just like, <laughs> it looked. It looked like it was just like the movie should have just been called like Straight to VOD. You know, like yeah, it, John Cusack, another perfect example of someone with a bad agent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Robert Patrick was fucking great in this season as, uh, uh, the, the white dragon. Um, God. I loved Annie Chang a lot. I was really sad at, uh, Sophie's fate. I, I don't know. I really latched onto that character and, uh, what goes on with her in the last two episodes really, really upset me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's James Gunn, man. I know James Gunn, you fall in love with the character and like, really like all bets are off. Anything could happen, but I, I wanted, like, I wanted more oh, fucking man. polka dot man, but man, what a, I mean, that's great ending for polka dot man. No, so. I agree. I agree. But I, I just love that character. Like the stuff that happened to her, like hit me yeah. harder than like the hardcore stuff. Like I, I never quite bought into she was going to die, so I never like really got all teary eyed. But I was like, no, not so. Uh, when you're when you're dating the director, it's like, yeah, it's you know. <laughs> and, and I gotta before we move on, the John Cena piano scene was just man, that was it was just brilliant to see that side of that character. Yeah. Like, oh man. Even though that uh, what's her name Jennifer Holland who plays Harcourt is dating James Gunn, I still think he fucking cast her perfectly. I think she's great. Yeah, no, I agree. She definitely, on her own merits, is a great part yeah. of the show. Yeah, I like her. I think she's good. She would have been a she would have been a good Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I loved the uh, what's the um oh the the tech guy economist 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 yeah. the economist yeah the the chainsaw scene was just classic one of the best oh, God, of the yeah. whole series i said i think i said last week or the week before like if they come out with peacemaker figures i want John Economos with the chainsaw bloody chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, that was that was just great. Yeah, and what a happy accident it was to uh, lose the original uh, Vindicator character and have to replace him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Freddie Strom is fantastic in that role. Well, and uh, I think season two, Judo Master, probably be popping up somehow. Maybe he'll join uh, join the team. That's cool. I would love a face turn for Judo Master. I think he deserves it at this point. Or he might be the villain because, like, you know, all the fucking butterflies were were decimated. So I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see what the fuck happens with, with Judo Master in the second season. I feel like maybe they might do something completely different than the butterflies next season, like a whole new mission. No, I'm not saying that. that well, I, they got to. They're all dead. Yeah. They're all dead. I'm, I'm saying that that his reason for being a to continue to be a villain is the fact that he sees all of them dead at the end of it. And so it's like, he's going for vindication. Okay. I follow. Yeah. Just he's fucking pissed. And now he's going to be even more ruthless. Yeah. Like 
I love that he was so sad that they were all dead, but he still had, he could still eat those fucking flaming hot the Cheetos. Flaming hot Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking great, man. Yeah, absolute Tupperware. Fucking great fucking show. Billy, did you watch the, the new Walking Dead that dropped on AMC Plus? I did. Okay. All right. What did you think, man? Cause like, it really picks up like where the last, where the, where the last episode kind of like ended. What did you, what did you think? I, um, I, I, I liked it. I did like it. Yeah. I, they definitely didn't waste any time. They did pick right back up. Um, I'm not going to go into like kind of like really any spoilers. I do, I did love some of the decisions, some of the characters. We had a, a lot of Maggie. We had a lot of intense Maggie and I'm always, I'm always a fan of, ruthless and hard maggie i what i what i do like seeing the show i mean because people a lot of people have dropped off obviously over the years and some people rightfully so um but i do like the dynamics where a lot of our favorite characters are going to end up or at least at times or maybe permanently on opposite sides of the conflict i think that makes it a lot more engaging and dynamic as opposed to when they're all just completely aligned at all times so um i do like i do think there's going to be some heavy stakes in this you know third of the season i think it's going to really energize and leave everyone wanting to see that final third of the season and be a big tv event but um i think they were off to a good start i'm curious to hear what you thought uh let me just throw this out there without uh, spoiling anything i uh, how do i say this i feel like i enjoyed it here's the thing I feel like, though, and tell me if I'm wrong here by saying this, I feel like when this show feels like they don't know what to do to shake things up and just to just to make the show just like, let's just change the show now. Let's just change the show. They are, they, they do a time jump. I, I, I didn't write that down in my notes. I said they, they really do like that, and I just... I don't think – I think they try to do it in their minds. They think it's like logistics and things aren't just going to happen. But I I tend to like to see the instant ramifications of a lot of these actions. And I know there's like the kind of the tease there at the end and I was kind of alluding to with some of the our characters being on opposite sides. I don't, I don't need there to be an episode or two of flashbacks during an episode to find out what happened in between. I don't, they do that too much and I do agree that they, they screw with their storytelling structure too much because if they can stay linear, it's it's an engaging story. And for those of us that are still watching the show and there's still a lot of people, but we don't, we don't need all that jumping around anymore. We've done that forever. We're here for the end of the story and I want them like you, kind of like we were saying to just drive it home. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I did roll my eyes at the end of the episode because I was like, not this shit again. Like, can we just, can we just, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like they just write themselves into a corner where they're just like, what do we do now? Oh, the easy fix is just, let's do a time jump. Whether it be, whether it be five years or six months, let's just fucking time jump this shit. 15 minutes later. <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. So, but I enjoyed it. I, I can't wait. I'm going to be, I, I got AMC plus so I can watch the episodes a, a week early and stuff like that. And, uh, I, I, I honestly, I, I like AMC plus cause I get my, I get my shutter content there too. I'm able to watch the, you know, a lot of the, um, Sundance stuff there as well. And, um, it's, it's worked out really good for me. So, uh, but yeah, Walking Dead comes back. I'll give the episode a, uh, I'll give it a middling taste it. 
and I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that it gets that it gets uh, um, just as good as I thought. Like the first third of this uh, season was. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. And uh, I don't know what is what does it all mean for Jeffrey Dean Morgan's Negan now? Um, that'll be interesting to see. So, yeah. Uh, what, what did you rate it? I would give it a solid taste. It. I, yeah. I just think again, you, you're right. It's that the episode when they leave these cliffhangers, they have to deal with these things immediately. And if they didn't kind of you said write themselves in the certain corners, they could do that time jump yeah. at the end of an episode or something, as opposed to the middle of a premiere episode. It doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bel Air dropped on uh, Peacock, and uh, basically it was like, okay, Fresh Prince of Bel Air comedy about a uh, boy from West Philadelphia that gets in trouble, uh, has a fight, and then is sent uh, to uh, uh, L.A. and and lives with his uh, Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil, and and there's Carlton and Hillary and Ashley, and it's hilarity ensues because it's a fish out of water, and he's uh, living with with a rich family. And um, in this take... They make it a more serious drama. They take all the same elements from the original show, but turn it into a serious drama. And I, I was like, so I went to IMDb on the day that it dropped and I wanted to check the rating for the show. And it was like instantly downrated. Uh, it, it was at the time that I looked at it, it was like at 3.8 or 3.9. As the day went on, it jumped up to 5.1. I haven't checked it recently on IMDb. I would expect it's even gone up from there, but I feel like it was just like people that hadn't watched the show yet mm-hmm. downvoting it because they don't want a reimagining of their Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And um, this one, uh, it's developed by Morgan Cooper, Malcolm Spellman, uh, TJ Brady and Rashid Newson. It's a reboot and dramatization of the sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and it's based on Cooper's short fan film of the same name. And it stars uh, Jabari Banks uh, as Will Smith, uh, Cassandra Freeman as Vivian, uh, Jimmy Akingbola as Jeffrey, uh, Ali Shalatin as Carlton, Coco Jones as Hillary, Akira Akbar as Ashley, uh, Adrian Holmes as uh, Uncle Phil. And, uh, Jordan L. Jones plays jazz. Uh, yeah. Um, Jake, I want to hear from you. Uh, actually, how many episodes? I've watched all four episodes that have dropped. New episodes drop on Thursdays. I believe it premiered on Sunday, but new episodes drop on Thursdays. Um, I've watched all four episodes. I watched three of the four so far. Billy. I've seen them all. Yeah. Yeah, Jake, you've watched three. I want to hear from you. What do you think about uh, Bel Air, the reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? <laughs> the reimagining of Bel Air. Yeah. You know what? Going into this, it, it felt like something I didn't need. Like, I don't need a gritty. Did you watch the tra- Did you watch the trailer before this came out? I did not. I, I had seen none of this. Before I'll be honest. I it. saw the trailer and I, saw, I thought to myself, I don't care if this is a reimagining. This looks really good. Um, the trailer sold me. Um, yeah, I could see that working on me as well because I this was a high, a very high tasted for me. I was surprised at how sucked into this I got. I 
I watched all three episodes back to back. It was one of those things where I'm like, well, I'll just watch the first episode and see how bad it is. But the cliffhanger got me on all three episodes. Um, I haven't had time to finish the fourth episode yet, but I did watch the first 15 minutes of it just to get a better cliffhanger than where they left me in the third episode. Um, yeah, I just think this is really well done. I, I think the stakes are believable. I really feel the danger for the uh, main character, Will, and I'm really like, you know, I just don't know if he's going to be able to escape the lifestyle. Like, I actually believe in it. Like, where the original sitcom, you always know everything is, like, played for laughs and going to return to the status quo by the end of the episode. Like, it really feels like things can get really shaken up here. And, like, the drama is really well done and really working for me. And I think all the actors are really great. I love the new Philip. I love the new Hillary. Uh, Carlton is just a shock to see that version of that character. Like it's a super jealous Carlton that's doing coke behind his family's back. Like it's, it's just crazy. Like I was in shock and awe, but still I thought it was a really well done story. Um, yeah, I hope you guys don't hate this. Uh, I, uh, uh, I got like within 20 minutes, I'm like addicted to this show. I, this is an absolute Tupperware for me. I don't care what anybody says. Like, I think you can have these two things and love them both. I think you can love the comedy of the original. And I think that this reimagining, it's got like, I mean, you look at the premise of the story. You can definitely take this to as, as a, as a more serious drama. And I think it works. And I think that you can even take elements of like the Will character from like the, the sitcom and add him into this. Like his personality in many ways, he's not as jokey, but like he does have, he's very charming, just like Will Smith was in the original series. Um, there's a lot of stuff in it that they kind of just like pull from the show. Uh, I he even, you know, at one point he's talking to Jazz, who's the taxi driver in this version. And he's talking about, you know, he's from West Philadelphia and he says, born and raised. And I was just like, okay, he's quoting the fucking theme song. And then <laughs> at one point he actually says, I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. And it's like, I'm like, okay, it's cheesy, but it, it kind of like worked, you know, it, it, it kind of worked here. And they had an episode where he's at school and he's wearing like the school uniform, the suit and everything. And he gets a stain on it and he flips it inside out. And it's got like that kind of like cool design on the inside. And, and I remember watching the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on TV when I was a kid. And one of the episodes that stuck out to me was like when he went to the prep school and uh, he didn't get something on his jacket. He just thought it looked lame as hell. So he saw the inside of it, flipped it inside, it flipped it inside out, had like a paisley design on the inside. And everybody thought he was so cool wearing the jacket that way that all the other people in the school flipped their jackets. All the other guys flipped their jackets inside out and started like, uh, following Will around because they thought he was cool. And Carlton got jealous, of course, and all this stuff. And that was like, they took that one little thing from that episode in the actual Fresh Prince of Bel-Air comedy and they kind of just like implemented it into this one in a different way. And I appreciated just that little Easter egg as a fan. And and just little things like that that they kind of throw into the story. Um, they got, there's different B stories that are going on because like Will was involved in the fight and now he's worried about like that gang member going to LA to get vengeance on him. But there's, that's one of the main stories. 
there's also some B stories. You've got Aunt Viv, who like used to be an artist and kind of like put that on the back burner. Now she's trying to get back into her art. You've got Hillary, who's kind of like this online chef and influencer and stuff like that. And and then uh, there's Ashley, who I think we're finding out that her character's gay. And so there's all these B stories that are going on. Yeah. Some of them Philip Selection. What's that? Oh yeah, Phillips, yeah. Philip's election. That's a big B story too. Yeah, I think some of the B stories are interesting. Some of them aren't as interesting. I lo- I like the Hillary stuff. I think it's cool. Uh, they barely have gotten into the Ashley stuff. Um, the Aunt Viv art thing is like not blowing my mind yet. Like let's let's do something more with her character. Vivian's my least favorite character so far. Yeah, they need to do something more with her. But I Tupperware this. I am hooked, man. This is like, you know, man, I grew up watching fucking uh, Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, and just watching that show, those shows start. And then they just get wilder as each season goes on. And I'm hoping that this does the same thing. Shit just gets fucking crazy. And Carlton, oh, my God, the actor that they got playing Carlton, this Ali Shulatan, is so goddamn good in this role. And he can be so charming and then so fucking evil the next minute, man. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> it's like a Joffrey-type role where I, I was thinking the same thing. retiring after this. Yeah, I was thinking Joffrey, too. I was thinking Joffrey, too. Um, but I Tupperware this. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love seeing uh, the interactions between Jazz and Hillary now. Um, uh, Carlton. I'm waiting for an episode where Carlton gets woke because there's an episode where this you know, white kid Connor is using derogatory language and Carlton just lets it slide. And I'm waiting for an episode. I don't think Carlton has has... I don't think Carlton has had a moment where he's been like with Will. Will had that moment with the police, you know, and he's going through some post-traumatic stress disorder with that. I don't think Carlton's ever had that. He's kind of like lived in this rich bubble. And so it'll be interesting to see Carlton. I think there'll be an episode where Carlton gets woke. We'll see what happens there. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with Carlton's character. It's fucking crazy, man. It's a fucking Fresh Prince of Bel-Air drama, and I fucking, I'm eating this shit up. I fucking love it. Um, Billy, what do you think, man? So I was very similar. I, I completely went into this show thinking, like, I really don't need this. I, I thought it was, if you watch the trailers and stuff, at least some of them from being from Philadelphia, they went into, like, a lot of the Philadelphia tropes. They had, like, the Meek Mill Dreams and Nightmares playing. It was the, the Eagles theme song when they won the Super Bowl and you saw I heard at least from other people said they had seen previews and stuff like that that it was very tropey and blah 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 so I'm like okay and I'm very similar to Jake I'm like I'm gonna watch this first episode and just so I can just give an honest review but like it's just gonna be uh, it's gonna be cringe and god damn it I love this show dude it's so good it's a complete Tupperware for me it is such a pleasant surprise. The All the actors are great. If you didn't say this was Bel Air and it had a different name, people would be lauding this show right away. And it's, it's, they, it's, I think it's going to convince people who eventually give it a shot because I think the reviews are just going to be continuously positive. I love all the side things. And in episode four, Bri, like the, you know, the, the side character, the assistant, the body man, and this kind of stuff that you kind of, kind of allude to with him. Like, this stuff's crazy. It's awesome. Like, I, it's just, all the situations are believable. 
it's it, the stuff with Will and he's having his troubles and he comes to visit this supposed to be perfect rich family, but his presence kind of allows them to kind of see the cracks in their perfect facade and it's going to allow them to grow as people. But I think then, like you said, they're just going to, it's going to get crazier and crazier with some of these B storylines and the through lines that like just high stakes. And I, I, I'm just so pleasantly surprised. So it is a complete Tupperware. So I think if anybody isn't watching this just because they think it's just some ripoff or cheap trick to just do a show, they're so, like Brian said, they're so respectful and like these little nods and things that they don't beat you over the head with it. You can tell the people, the writers of the show have such like affection for the original series. I know Will Smith is involved. He's like an executive producer and stuff like that. Yeah. So I really don't think he would let them make a big joke out of it. And I just really think anyone listening really needs to give it a, an honest shot. Give the first three episodes. Yeah. I think you'll be hooked, especially the first four. Dude, it's like, it's like, I think it's playing to the strengths of like, of what, you know, the real story, like what would really happen is it just take the comedy exactly. out of it. I mean, there are moments of levity and comedy and, but I mean, you know, and I think the actor that's playing Will, you know, he's very charming and he's, uh, I mean, there are moments where he does have like that little kind of like smirk or smile that Will gave on the show and, um, very much a ladies man, you know, and so I'm digging it, man. I'm fucking really digging it. I looked on IMDb. The score has gone up. It went up uh, from 5.1 now to a 6.0. So it is going up. I feel like yeah. now you've got now you've got people watching it instead of yeah. just downvoting it because because it's oh it's Bel Air Fresh Prince comedy and they're just uh, they're just going to make a mockery of this. This is going to be stupid. I think that was just people downvoting it on the day right. they didn't watch it. I agree, and if you click, I was just looking at that too, bro. If you actually click into like the individual episode reviews, mm -hmm. the average should even be higher. So like the people that are actually going and like reviewing the individual episodes, yeah, there's nothing lower than like a seven something, which for IMDb yes. is really high. It's just these dickheads that are not even going on the episode; they're just downvoting the series as a whole, yeah. without actually going and reviewing the episode. So like again, we've seen that with a million shows, but I I, don't, I really don't think it's fair. I I think it's a awesome show yeah i really loved episode three yamakra i thought it was fantastic yeah yeah that was a great ending yeah. i just can't wait to see what happens with the carlson character like how far down the spiral are they going to take that character oh, Definitely man. yeah man oh, it's going to get worse before it gets better i think he's going to like ruin the the campaign or like something like that with the family he's always been on this thing that will's going to be the, their family's downfall but I, I have a feeling that like carlton's got to hit rock bottom and it's got to affect a lot of people for him to maybe eventually become similar. He's never going to be the Carlton from the comedy, but to become a like an ally of Will into a little more lovable guy. Because apparently he used to have some really you know redeeming qualities, as we've heard about him in like in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really loved the scene where uh, the family was at the basketball game and they kept getting up and setting back down, and just how like dramatic it got with the uh, cricket game and Carlton, like Friday Night Lights, man. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like, is he ever going to play on that team again after that? It seemed doubtful. Yeah, that was fucked up. <laughs> I, I'm loving this show. It's an, I, I, it's an absolute tupper. I'm addicted. I, I think, like, this is definitely one, like, um, there's no question as to what I'm going to be watching on Thursdays when this drops. Like, this is like, yes, now, now Peacock is like a destination for me to watch Bel Air, which is nuts. Cause like, I was literally just asking, like, why am I going to Peacock? You know, I think like on a, 
I think maybe on the last episode, I was like, what am I going to Peacock to watch? Like, I know what other people are going there to watch. They're going to watch Office reruns or Parks and Rec or whatever. What, wrestling pay-per-views. What, this is us. What? Yeah, but but what <laughs> new content, what Peacock original content am I going to Peacock to watch? Like, you know, I mean, Jake, I know you like the Ed Helms show. I didn't finish it. This is something that I am going to be like every fucking Thursday. Um, I'm going to be like, okay, a new episode of Bel Air. What the fuck is Carlton doing? What's Will doing? What's going on? What? Oh, Jeffrey, what the fuck, dude? Oh my God. They even made Jeffrey. show that's so good you could review. Like, I could, I see myself doing like episode to episode reviews of it. And who would have, I would have never believed you if you told me that two weeks ago. I agree. Yeah. This is definitely like one that you could talk about like every fucking week, speculate on. Yeah. I agree. Crazy, right? Yeah. Like, Like, what a world. (laughs) <laughs> you sound like Yakov Smirnov there. <laughs> I love this country. What a, world. <laughs> what a world. I love this country. <laughs> I love this country. Yeah, uh, easily the best original drama that Peacock has had yet and and well deserved. Like I'm really surprised yeah. they made something this good out if of If they never hey, if Peacock has made something better, well, I can't remember it because uh, I mean, all they no really, way. like at launch they had like the new Punky Brewster revival, and it's like, man, that's like, you know, I I love I loved Punky Brewster as a kid, but man, it's like I don't, I never even finished it. I got like halfway through the season. I think the only reason I kept watching it was because I wanted her to meet her mother again. I don't even know if that happened, and then they canceled it. So it's like. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, like, I think, like, what Jake said, people, the only other two things I can think that people will go to Peacock for now is, like, they have that WWE app connection, and those first four seasons of Yellowstone are on Peacock. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, Yellowstone's a big one, and I heard 1883 is fantastic, and that you don't even need to watch Yellowstone mm-hmm. to even watch 1883. I think I'm gonna start 1883. I like Sam Elliott, and I like the cast that they got over there on that show. Um, oh, and the Save by the Belt season two, I think I've watched two episodes and I'm just burnt out. Like, I don't care anymore. So, yeah. I agree. And the new theme song fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. Uh, let's talk about it. This dropped on uh, Video On Demand and I just saw, like, it just looked interesting to me. I wanted to check this one out. It it felt like, it looked like something that Nicolas Cage would be in, but he's not. <laughs> it's called Cosmic Dawn. Uh, after witnessing the abduction of her mother as a child, Aurora joins the UFO cult, the Cosmic Dawn. Aurora experiences many revelations at the Colts compound, but the leader is not who she seems. It's directed by Jefferson Mineo. And I, I'm watching this and it's like, uh, I don't think I, I, for me, I don't think I was ever bored watching this, but it was like, I felt like the movie really kind of like hinged upon like the, the, the third act and like, where this is all going to culminate and like what was going to happen. You know, at the beginning of the movie, you see this abduction, this UFO abduction. And then this girl, Aurora is kind of like looking for answers of like, you know, she knows something took her mother. Her mother didn't die. She knows something took her mother. So she's looking for answers. She's going to different bookstores. She's buying different books about UFOs. And then she comes across this woman, uh, Natalie, who, tells her about, you know, her and her group meeting up and uh, it comes out. It's like it's this UFO cult. And then we dive into this UFO cult and they have this this 
compound that's out in the forest and and uh we meet natalie's husband we meet the leader of this ufo cult and i'm like where is this all going and i'll say there i don't it's not the biggest budget production ever um and I think that the ending has a lot to be desired. I just wasn't – they just – I felt like it was just kind of like an easy ending and not uh, – it wasn't mind-blowing. So I was really let down by that. Um, all right. So, yeah, uh, I just was let down by like the third act. Um I don't know. It had enough to keep me watching and keep me engaged, but the, I think like ultimately the, like the final act and like the big reveals at the end were a lot to be desired. Uh, for me, it's just a low taste it because it's nothing that I'll ever watch again. I think that they, I don't know. I, I think they explored some interesting stuff here and they definitely went with like the lizard aliens that you hear about, you know, um, which is like a real conspiracy theory. But uh, it, at the end of the day, it's just a low taste it for me. Um, Jake, did you watch Cosmic Dawn? I did. I did. I, I share a lot of your feelings here. Um, I kind of liked the style of this movie more than I liked the plot of this movie. And I also think the first half played better than the second half. I thought it definitely that third act was a little bit. Ugh. Um, yeah, I, I loved the Ed Wood Plan 9 like music. All right, yeah, we, we took a quick break there. Jake had some uh, internet issues, but it, now it sounds like you're back. You were saying that you had some of the same issues as me. You felt like it was like uh, you liked the look of the movie. It was just the plot. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, this movie had a really nice flavor. It just didn't have the greatest story, and I thought it really fell apart at the end. Um, it wasn't really the best acted movie either. I didn't think anyone really brought it except for maybe the uh, Joshua Burge character who played the uh, the husband of the woman that, yeah. has, that brings her into the cult. I thought he was easily the best actor in the entire movie. Um yeah, this was a bit disappointing. I maybe taste it's even a, a bit too high, but that's that's what I wrote down for it. So yeah, yeah, I, I'll never watch this again either. You know, I was like, you know, I, some of these like alien abduction movies and stuff like that. I remember loving like what was it, Fire in the Sky, when I was a kid and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I loved that too. You know, even if you go to like even more of a big budget like Contact, you know, I know a lot of people don't like the ending of that. I I still enjoy Jodie Foster Contact. I I, I like that movie. I haven't watched it in over a decade. Maybe yeah, it's been. It holds up. I watched it about four years ago. Yeah, I saw it in the theater, and I was like, "Oh, I love it. It's great." Um, The ending works better too when it's not a a surprise, and you already go in knowing how it ends up. It kind of enhances the the first two thirds of the movie. Yeah, I I just I was hoping that they do something like really new and inventive here, even though it is like low budget. It's like. Just depending on like who the director is, who's writing this thing, you never know what you're gonna fucking get. And I was just kind of like let down, and the the ending was just kind of like, yeah, okay, all right, whatever, (laughs) you know. So, Billy, what did you think about Cosmic Dawn? So I started watching Cosmic Dawn, and it really, to be honest, in the beginning, really wasn't hooking me. I knew the general premise from, you know, I watched like half the trailer just to get an idea, so I knew we were going for the abduction. Got right into that part, and then Big Brother kicked me off watching it, and then I, I just never made it back to actually finish it. 
Okay. All right. But you know, I'm teasing. I'm obviously alluding to you letting me see the the view of it. But I, I just like to me even just that first. I got through like say like the first 20 minutes. I, I just really thought I was gonna get a hook. I kind of liked the vibes at the first couple minutes that they were setting off in the intro, but it just didn't go anywhere quick enough for me. Um, it wasn't something that say if I had hadn't been coming on here to review, I wouldn't even have tried to get back to watch any more of it. But um, it really, from the sounds of it, doesn't seem like it really gets like crazy better. I mean, like you guys said, you're never going to watch it again. Um, that's pretty good incentive to not seek out to finish it, but it would have been probably a, a low taste it at best, but more than likely a toss it for me as I was feeling that first like 20 minutes of it. I was just kind of like hooked by the synopsis and the, the poster looked kind of cool. I didn't watch the trailer and I saw that it had like a hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes with not very many reviews, but I was like, okay, you never know what you're going to get with certain with certain movies, I've seen like Shutter come out with movies that just don't have like a ton of like uh, you know uh, backing or support behind it. Then I watch a Shutter movie and I'm just blown away. This just did not do it for me, sadly. So I wouldn't waste the six bucks to rent this one if it does pop up on Netflix or something. Uh, give it a shot, but I wouldn't say that it's uh, required viewing. Uh, so yeah, low taste it for me with uh, Cosmic Don. Um, I was not – I Uncharted, I, I want to hit – Billy, I think you're the only one that saw Uncharted in the theater this week. I had tickets to go see it opening night, uh, and we got hit with a bunch of snow. And uh, the next day, uh, they had uh, done a lot of work on the roads, and I drove – our theaters here were still closed. So I drove about 40 minutes away to go see it at a theater that was playing it for a, a morning show at 11.15 and Fandango said they were open. Their website said they were open. I get there and they're closed. And I am fucking just like, fuck it. I'm done. I am now, I am not driving. I'm not driving another 45 minutes to get to Springfield to watch Uncharted. So I just waved my hands in the air. I waved the white towel, oh, the white, white flag of surrender through my gloves into the ring. I'm done. And, uh, I did not watch Uncharted. It's not because I didn't want to. It's because I just got so goddamn frustrated. Jake, I'm not driving to another goddamn theater after that. I was so pissed off. I was so I was just like, is this? It's not in the cards to watch Uncharted this week. I was like, no, it's no, not. no, and no offense to Uncharted, but it's not like Batman where like right. we're, you're just gonna make it happen no matter what. Yeah, like that. It was already a giant inconvenience. Like fuck it. Yeah, so I did not see it. Jake, I'm assuming you're, you're holding off on seeing it until this week. Yeah, I, I still definitely plan on seeing it, but yeah, the snow just kind of made it impossible. Yeah, uh, Billy, you saw it. What'd you think about, uh, Tom Holland in, in, in Uncharted? Um, I, Uncharted is as middle of the road tasted, I think, as you can go, as down the middle as it can be. It is not horrible. It is in no way a really good movie. Um, I, you know, I think there's a few things holding it back. I think mainly it's really like the writing and the script and, plot. and Mark Wahlberg, maybe. You know, it's like I, 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 I like Mark Wahlberg. I actually think him and Tom Holland got on really well and had good chemistry together. I would love to actually see them do something else together, even if it was like a comedy or even just be in another film together. I think they. Have like I said, I think they had pretty good on-screen chemistry. 
Tom Holland, I, I think it's great. You can obviously tell he's doing a lot of his own stunts. We know he, you know, is, you know, a pretty physical actor and you can tell that it definitely helps. But I, I, I was, a, I don't know about you guys, if you played the Uncharted games or not and are familiar with the Nathan Drake character. To me, he was just, I just didn't see him as Nathan Drake. And that, that kind of hurt me a little bit throughout. Um, the action stuff's really cool. Um, but the plot is as vanilla as it can get. It doesn't follow the uh, storyline of one specific game or anything. It's an original kind of, you know, we'd say like origin story. Um, the villains are, were forgettable. Uh, like I said, you, you're not going to go to this movie, I think, and be completely pissed off and like, I can't believe I wasted my money. I think if you go in the expectation, this is just going to be a pretty straightforward you know, blockbuster, but not the best thing you've ever seen and no surprises and crazy frills. Um, like I said, a, a regular down the road taste it. Um, yeah. I'm curious to see like how much you guys like love or like hate this movie. I just, you guys I, I just, it. I just wanted a fun action movie and like, uh, you know, it looked like from the trailer, from what I saw, the, the one scene that fucking hooked me was that big cargo plane and all the fucking boxes are falling out of the back and he's jumping from one to the other. And I'm like, that looks fun. I want to see this movie now because that looks fun. Um, and uh, that's even the poster. Well, yeah, they know. They know. They know. They do know. They know, Jake. They know that that's the fucking money shot, dude. That was like that was like the cum hitting me in the face when I watched that shot. I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, fucking hit me there. You missed a spot. Yeah, there we go. And so that, that's a that's a, a riff off of a scene. I think it's, excuse. I think it was like an Uncharted Four. Like there's a, a, a cargo airplane scene over the desert, and that's obviously they definitely use that marketing and that like to get, draw fans of the series. To be like, oh wow, that we can expect. This is some of the cool set pieces because those games were really defined a lot by these giant set pieces that were like big blockbuster movies. And it's, I think going forward, if, if the box office returns are good, I think we will start to see elements, more storylines from the games brought in. But I, this one again was kind of its own original story to mm. give us some of the background of Nate and Sully and, you know, this universe. But I, I just, I hope that if it does do well, they can get a, a better writer for the next one. Yeah, I, I, I it uh, does. It makes me, uh, I guess, a little excited that you you enjoyed the chemistry between Wahlberg and Holland in this because I, I was I I love Mark Wahlberg in certain things and in certain things I'm just like he is he does not fit here. Um, and so <laughs> yeah, sometimes you get departed Mark Wahlberg. Sometimes you get the happening Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, the Tinder Swindler. Oh boy. Documentary that dropped on Netflix. Uh, I first heard about this when I was, uh, I was recording an episode of Scenic Cast and, uh, Spoiler Steve was talking about the Tinder Swindler. And I was like, I know this has already been out for a couple weeks, but sounds really good and I want to watch it and I want to talk about it with some other people. And so I did watch it. The film to tells the story of the Israeli con man Simon Levive who used the dating application Tinder to locate individuals he then emotionally manipulated into providing him with financial support for his lavish lifestyle. It's directed by Felicity Morris. And um, I first started watching this, like they're interviewing a woman who, you know, talked about, uh, you know, she's on Tinder, she's looking for love, 
Um, she'd been using the app for a while, and then she comes across this guy, Simon, and it's the kind of guy that she's looking for. He looks well-traveled and and looks like a lot of fun, and she messages him, and he instantly messages her back, and they set up a, a date where they're going to meet at his hotel and grab a, you know, grab a drink together and talk, and then she's instantly being swept off her feet and taken on a private jet, and... Uh, it's just a whirlwind of uh, of romance for her. She ends up, uh, um, you know, kissing him on the cheek on the plane, and she's filming the whole thing. She's just all the just this the the level of money and, uh, and uh, wealth that this guy has is just blowing her away to the point where she sleeps with him on the first night. Like she is just wrapped up in this man, and. Uh, then they jump into another interview with another woman that tells about her experience of finding a guy on the app named Simon Levive, who she then becomes friends with. They don't have a romantic relationship, but they become very good friends. And uh, then the story just kind of gets into, like, who is this guy? And find out he's a con man, and it gets into how he uh, uses these women, basically, to uh, to fund... Uh, his playboy lifestyle and uh, this guy has extorted millions from from people and I I don't know I, I don't know how long I don't even know how long this was because it didn't matter because like I was there for the whole fucking ride I was just kind of like blown away by this like this actually fucking happened like it I was just I was blown away by this story I gave it an absolute Tupperware um I don't want to spoil the ending for anybody. I know that like this is a real thing that happened. You can look it all up in the internet, but I didn't know anything about this going into it. And so, um, but I give it a Tupperware cause like I, I just was just blown away by this and this story and like how, how shit like this can fucking happen and how we got away with, the, uh, with all this shit, uh, in order, in order to do it, like, where's this money coming from? It gets into that. And I'm just like, Oh my God. What a piece of shit. How can you do this to other people? How can, how can you be such a sociopath and do this and not care? Oh my God. I was just, uh, and leaving these women in, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. It's just, uh, it's just beyond me. I can't, can't imagine. Um, Jake, what did you think about the Tinder swindler? Yeah, it was the highest of Tupperwares for me as well. I, I, it didn't matter how long it was. This could have been four hours. I would have sat there for the whole thing. It was just endlessly fascinating. Um, yeah, I just, I couldn't believe he was able to live such a lavish lifestyle. Just the, they were really kind of getting into the nitty gritty about how much everything cost. And you saw that it was funded by just multiple women that he was scamming out of money and he was, just like it's like you hear about this catfish type thing but there's usually no interaction between the two people like people are getting scammed to send money over without even ever physically meeting the people but this guy was like flying his private planes and taking these women out on dates like right away like actually like physical contact you know like you said the one woman slept with him on the first date like it wasn't even just romantic relationships. Like he would do the same thing with just like platonic relationships that he would, he would make with people that he mm-hmm. met. And, uh, yeah, this is a crazy, crazy movie. It, it's a must watch. And it's kind of a story that I've been following ever since. I, I too knew nothing about this until watching it, but now I've just kind of like gone head first into reading all the news about this character ever since watching this movie. So 
Just yeah, the, the wow. fucking the fucking like text messages and pictures of Peter the bodyguard getting beat up and just like that just like oh my what the fuck is going on here like i still want to know what the fuck was behind all that shit and blah blah anyway billy what did you think so i totally tupperware the 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 documentary itself it was really well done it is a have to see it to believe it story what i toss is just the logic and the decision making of the women involved in this i mean some of it i mean especially for the one that was just his supposed to be just his friend to, to take out five different loans the one that was supposed to be his girlfriend she had loans with eight or nine banks like it was constant and constant and constant that this dude just kept taking them for money money at what point do you realize you're getting taken i was watching it thinking like when are they what is happening and then to find out you guys said that like he's fine like he's all good he's walking around chilling like living his best life and these poor women like no one's helped them out after all of this like so it, it is i totally tupperware but i am just like flabbergasted that like after all this that they're still left these poor women are just left like, well, I think the I think the documentary does a good. It shows you why that they, they why they weren't that apprehensive yeah, to I do all this. Believable. I, yeah, I felt sorry and sympathetic for the women. I, 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 it's a fantasy you you want to believe. I mean, he legit is like talking to them. It's not just text messages. They go out and have these amazing adventures. Probably one of a kind adventures they've he's ever showing them. In he, their life. Yeah, it's like he's showing them like. It's basically he's showing them how much money he has. They, they don't under. It, I, I don't think. And 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 the way that even if you Googled him at the time, like it all looks legit. You know, uh, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's ter. I think it's terrible what happened to them. I really do. I really no, think I it's agree. awful. I don't think but, they deserved it. I j- I just think some of the as it went on. I mean, even initially, I can understand, but like it's, it just seemed like. He was always. I think when you're way more than he gave. I think when you're that far in, you just kind of like want to. You want. I mean, when you get that far in, I think after you get, you know, after they send him like the first twenty, thirty thousand, you're just, and you know, you're getting promises of wire transfers. You're just wanting to. You're wanting to believe. I don't. I think yeah, it's, it's like pulling the slot machine one more time. Like yeah. you've already lost this much money. You yeah. got to make it all back. I think it's like, and it's the, yeah. it's the show. It's everything that he's showing them. It's, it's everything that he showed them in the past. It, it makes this, mm-hmm. it makes it believable. Like, like, uh, the dirty rotten scandals, like, uh, um, uh, um, what's his name? Fucking played Alfred in that movie. Like, he makes these women believe that he's like this rich man. You know what I'm talking about? Steve Martin movie. Why am I brain farting on this? Uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? I said the name. Uh, Michael Caine was the actor name that I was looking for. Oh, oh blah, 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 blah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of, it's kind of like the real life Dirty Rotten Scoundrels going on here. <laughs> In a way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's just such a sham, and um, I'm glad he's exposed. But it's like it is crazy that like, yeah, I don't really want to spoil the ending of the stock. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, and I don't know if you guys put this together, but all these women were doing what he asked, and his name was Simon. And I think it's an inside joke with him. Simon says, "I really do." That's so sick. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
it, this is a, uh, I guess we can call this a spiritual sequel, or, or I think they're calling it a sequel to the Chainsaw, is, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Um, a movie that I first saw when I was 12 years old. My parents had gone to bed, and I went and watched it in our kitchen on one of the under the counter it's like an under the cabinet tv that would hang under the cabinet and i watched it in the dark uh as a 12 year old i watched the original texas chainsaw massacre and i remember it was the scariest movie i'd ever seen at that time scariest movie i'd ever seen i was so creeped out um the visuals of like them going into the house all the chicken feathers on the floor and the the bones of the dead birds and and uh just how how menacing leatherface was like when he saw you like he would just fucking grab you and throw you up on a hook and then he'd you know cut you and uh, stab you just just there was no uh, there's no sympathy from that character. Just a cold-blooded killer, and and her like that. The end where she's running away from him, and he's fucking, and she you know jumps into the uh, truck and gets away, and and he's waving the chainsaw in the air, just like you know, squealing and shit, dude. I was just that movie scared the shit out of me, but I loved every fucking minute of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, we got the 2022 sequel here. Uh, influencers looking to breathe new life into a Texas ghost town encounter Leatherface, the legendary killer who wears a mask of human skin. It's directed by David Blue Garcia with a screenplay by Chris Thomas Devlin and uh, an original story co-written by Fetty Alvarez Fetty and uh, Roto Saigas. And, uh, that is, Fetty Alvarez is the guy who did the, the new Evil Dead movie. And then he did, uh, Don't Breathe, the Stephen Lang horror film. And this one stars Elsie Fisher in the main, as the main lead in this one. And then they bring back Sally, uh, what's her name? Sally Hardesty. Not the same actor from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She died about a decade ago but they brought back they brought a, a, another actor to play Sally in this one the the original girl that got away she's now a she's now like a like a a lawman or something like that like a Texas Ranger I don't fucking know but um uh first off uh I don't know what you guys thought about this but um I this is an absolute toss it for me um because, you know, you, at the beginning, it's like they, the kids in the first movie, like they, they've got their annoying traits. You know, the kid in the wheelchair is like always yelling and screaming and being annoying and shit and whining and crap. And then you've got like, you know, some of the kids are annoying in the, in the original movie, but none of them are like, none of them are like asking to die. They're not doing anything wrong. You know, maybe they're trespassing, but it's, it's nothing to like, you know, fucking uh, cause the wrath of like Leatherface and, and his family. And, and in this one, they, they bring in these influencers who claim that they have the deed to the home. And they actually, at one point in time, they try to make you sympathize with the, with the family you know leatherface's family they they make they try to get you to sympathize with the family and 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 make these kids these influencers in the wrong here 
And I, I felt like that was the wrong move. And everything else kind of took me out of it. Like it, it didn't matter how gruesome or gory the fucking, um, the, the, the attacks were and stuff like that. I was just really put off by, in my opinion, the lack of care that they gave this franchise, especially calling this a, an actual sequel to the original one. And it's taking place 40, 50 years later. I tossed this so fucking hard. It just, I, I don't need a fucking, I don't even know if they have, like, I don't need, yeah, I don't need a fucking message in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Um, fuck right off with that shit. I, I tossed this so hard. I thought it was terrible. Um, that's, yeah. Uh, Jake, did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it. This movie was fucking awful. I hated it with every fiber of my being from fucking, uh, dollar store Lori Strobe to all the just really fucking dumb decisions all these unlikable characters made throughout this entire movie. Um, it had the most cliched, dumb horror movie ending on top of all that. <laughs> um, uh, this movie was top to bottom, just fucking bad. Um, and yeah, I, I had the same thing down. Everyone is completely unlikable. Um, it's not like horror movies can't do social and like commentary. Well, I mean, that's kind of a staple of horror movies, but this movie just has like, no balls to like really have any kind of voice it sends a lot of mixed messages about who you're supposed to root for and who you're supposed to like and what decisions are being made and oh my god i think it's an insult to everyone that lives in texas in many ways (laughs) um this movie is fucking bad yeah yeah two toss it's billy uh texas chainsaw massacre yeah this this movie there's this movie's a toss it the the only way I would really like recommend anyone really watching this is if they say Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You have to be a completionist to the franchise, but if you're a big lover of the franchise, it's not going to do you any favors. I have kind of the same exact notes as you guys. The very first thing I wrote is the main characters are the bad guys. Um, I wrote that this is a social commentary on the dangers of gentrification. I mean, they're really like trying to make you feel bad for <laughs> Leatherface and her, his caretaker. Um, like the whole the whole metaphor of this movie is there's a scene where one of the main characters is under the floorboards and Leatherface is trying to chainsaw her and chainsaws a big shit pipe and the septic pipe pours all over the characters. That's basically what watching this movie is. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all just got shit on, literally. We, yeah, we really did. Um, just like really dumb decisions. Like there's some mm. and then just lazy things like where people are literally the character a character gets chainsawed and is obviously chainsawed and dead but then miraculously is completely like fine it seems like a second later but it's like you literally just i just saw you get chainsawed and it's just it's very lazy the premise is very extreme um the the part with the part with the part with Leatherface on the bus and then bus. all the influencers, I mean, yes. all the influencers start to record him and say, like, if you do anything, you'll get canceled, bro. It's like, what the fuck? Grown. The bus scene is very funny Grown. and it's not supposed to be funny. And it's like, I was laughing out loud and you're cheering on Leatherface. And Jake, I, I, I think the end scene actually is freaking great. I, I think it's just like, it's just another fuck you at the end I, it's I just a giant it. exclamation point of fucking stupid i feel like how many people were on that bus like 50 a million <laughs> yeah I, I just feel like 
if they could have easily taken Leatherface there. It was the night bus. Yeah, I, a chainsaw in the confines of a bus against 50 unarmed people. I got to go with the 50 unarmed people. I think they could get them. Ah, not these pussholes. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and we literally just saw, like, before that, uh, fucking Leatherface rip a guy's fucking hand off at the wrist, the exposed sharp bones. He pushes the bones back into this guy's body, stabbing him with his own wrist bones. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> This is crazy. I that, that was one of the crazier kills. But I, I that, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, uh, I I just I think that this is just a huge distur- disservice to the the franchise. I that first movie, I don't care. I and I really haven't cared for. I you know I've watched like you know the sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre two and three, and and they never were that great. And a lot of the, especially in the second one, it was it felt like more of a comedy at times. And then they tried to make Leatherface more of like a sympathetic character at times. Um, and it, and that never worked for me. The first movie is just like, that is like, for me, for the longest time, it was just like the pinnacle of horror. Uh, exp- like these slasher and, uh, these slasher type movies. I, I loved the original. I still love the original. Um, it's a great movie. Yeah. Just the, and the sounds that they use, um, it's very, it's very, it's an independent movie and very low budget, but just like some of the, like the, the sounds that they use in that movie when they aren't using, um, like music and stuff, just the sounds are sounds that you hear in other horror movies to this day. So. Yeah, it's so iconic. It wasn't played for laughs or camp, and, and I think it's better for it. Yeah, the original is a classic. Yeah, I love that movie. God damn! Yeah, twelve narration. I love the narrated, like the narrator in the beginning and all like that. It's just in the it John Larroquette. Yeah, it just sets such a mood, man. It really just you're like, oh no, something bad happened. Like, just sound like I thought I, that was the only cool thing was that they got John Larroquette back in this one to do the narration of the documentary. Yeah, yeah, like from the original. I, that was the only part, and that was like within the first, you know, forty five seconds of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, cool. They got John Larroquette. <laughs> and that was all. And then I was never happy again. Ne- never. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh. It's like Night of the Living Dead is famous for, like, how it has a social commentary metaphor. And yeah. I, I think that you can do that really well in horror movies. But this was just so, like, you take that Confederate flag down. It's bad. Like, it was just so, like, on the nose and, like, lost all meaning, you know? The the cops not caring about the really gross and sickly lady and the murderer living in the house. Like, no one cares. Like, oh, we told you to leave months ago. It's like, well, you didn't fucking check, dude. There's nothing else going on. (laughs) Follow up? It doesn't seem like a big town. (laughs) Yeah. There's always a guy working at a garage. You know, it's just like, oh, come on, guys. Why couldn't they have just gone to the house again or something? Like, that was, I don't know. I think you're right, Jake. There's a way to do it. With the with the social commentary, I think like George A. Romero, you know, casting a black black lead back in like the '60s here, that was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, that was huge. And uh, you know, just recently with like this, and then also I, w- I would say like a couple years ago when that Black Christmas came out, just too on the nose. And um, 
I don't know. I think it's a disservice to the fans of those franchises. Uh, the Cuphead Show uh, dropped on Netflix. The Cuphead Show is a character-driven comedy series, animated comedy series, following the unique misadventures of lovable, impulsive scamp Cuphead and his cautious but easily swayed brother Mugman as the two scour their surreal homeworld of the Inkwell Isle in search of fun and adventure. They always have each other's back. And, uh, yes, it's based on the, uh, the video game. And, uh, what is it? Tw- is it 12 episodes? And they're about 15 minutes a piece. They're like 10 minutes. The credits are like five Four, minutes. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Like the, yeah, it's like, uh, at the 10 minute mark, you've got like four minutes left in the credits. So, um, yeah. Billy, what'd you think about the Cuphead show? Uh, it's, it's a solid taste it for me. I, I did appreciate the length of those episodes. It did remind me of kind of the format of you watch old time, time like Looney Tunes cartoons and things of that nature. I, I really it did strike a chord there with me. Um, the voices were a little goofy and over the top for me, but uh, it did, though, spark my interest uh, in the game because it's a game I, I always have heard about. And I know that I've always kind of had on my list. So. I watched a few episodes and I was kind of talking to Jake about this earlier because I know he had been a fan of the game. So I actually downloaded the game today and, and started playing for about an hour before, um, you know, this morning and I really enjoyed it. So, um, I, a solid taste it for the show. I only got through three episodes so far. I just wanted to make sure I had time to get everything on our list. Um, but I, I do see myself probably, especially after playing more of the game i'm sure i will go at some point and and finish the cuphead show but i'm curious to see what you guys thought yeah uh jake i want to hear from you what do you think about the cuphead show oh man i i sadly hated this show um it's a toss it for me i I was really looking forward to this i i love the game the game was a tupperware for me i don't know i just didn't feel like this really captured the essence of the game in any kind of way that I need to see on a TV show. Um, one of my favorite parts about the game is the music, and I thought the music in the show was just kind of a real budget version of what we hear in the video game. Um, I watched the first three episodes. I was disappointed that they kind of established the main plot in the first episode, but then we do a bunch of bullshit in the next two episodes. Um, and they never really made me care if we got back to the whole devil and soul contract part of the whole storyline. I just, it's like, do I have to sit through three more episodes of side character bullshit before I find out what's going on with that? Um, I didn't think the voices were all that inspiring. I didn't like the opening theme song. I, yeah, I just don't like this. I think I'm done after three episodes. I'm excited for the DLC content for the video game coming this summer. Um, but as far as Cuphead TV show goes, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm through five. Um, I don't hate it. I, I don't absolutely love it. I think it's a cute little show for kids to watch. Um, yeah, it's never very funny on an adult level. Yeah, it reminds me of like... Uh, what was it? The Merry Melodies cartoons, Jake. For sure. For yeah. sure. But just with not enough flair and cool music. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's okay. It's, it's a taste it from me. They do get back to the, the devil story, uh, in a, in a Dice Man episode. There's like a game show that they take part in for this Mr. Dice Man or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's from the video game as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so they do get back to the devil storyline, but yeah, there is like, just like, 
you know, it's like you have like the the main Who Framed Roger Rabbit movie, and then you've got like the you know that that episode where the baby is uh, getting free, and like they have like that side you know adventure with with Roger Rabbit and the baby on getting loose in the house or whatever, right? Wasn't that? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, Before, yeah I remember the, the yeah. like, Roger Rabbit shorts. Yeah, it was like, didn't they have that? Wasn't that Robert Ra- Rabbit short? Didn't they have that before Honey, I Shrunk the Kids in the theater? 100%. Yeah, okay. This just felt, I don't know, I, I, I've I played the video game with you, like, you know, just a couple times or whatever, and it was fun, but I don't have the attachment to the game that you have, um, and I don't have an attachment to uh, this show. It's It's a taste it. It's, I think it's, you know, if kids watch it, that's, it's cute. And I do like the, you know, at times it does look like one of those old Mary Mel- Melodies cartoons and has that feel, but it's nothing that it's like, oh my God, I've got to finish this and see how this, you know, no, I, I would rather watch like, uh, it was disenchanted, you know, the, the Matt Groening, you know, oh, disenchantment, disenchantment. I would rather watch that, you know, than this. So. It's whatever. Jake, Jake, what's funny is like if you're someone like me who especially if you're a kid and like kids are it seems like the show is targeted towards kids and they're gonna go and watch the <laughs> show and get a thing like, Oh, this is cool, I wanna play the cuphead game and man, they're gonna get punished really freaking fast because it is not the game that these kids are gonna be expecting based off of that show. Because it is just like a basically a punishing boss challenge game with the really cruel aesthetics, but man, it is not easy. So it is gonna be funny to see a lot of younger kids trying to get this game and then get kicked in the dick. That reminds me of how me and Brian had it when we were kids, you know, like we love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, God, yes. No more punishing video game than the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How can a turtle fucking drown in water? (laughs) Killed by seaweed yet again. Yes. Oh, my God. That fucking. (laughs) and 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 the fucking Home Alone game. Oh, that game was fucking just shit. Oh, my God. And it was fucking hard. Oh man, I was a sucker every time for any of the franchise games. Like you just Same. wanted them to be good so bad. Yeah, yeah. Adam's they never were game. though. But that that was hard. Uh, the ET yeah. game for the Atari was the oh, worst. Legendary, legendary. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good one. I, I can't. Oh, they're out there. Uh, the Batman game. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's more modern, though. I guess. No, no, no. Batman from 1989. Uh, the the oh, game came yes, out in yes, 1990. Yes, the Sunsoft game. The Sunsoft game is very good. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, very good music too. There's there's others that are good. Um, yeah, the side scrolling Star Wars game was really fucking solid. So, um, I know there's a, there's a big one that I'm not thinking of that is just fucking fantastic. Well, the like I think like the Lion King and Aladdin games are licensed games that are really are really good. They're good. They're, they're also legendary hard though. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I know it's not movies, but I I love the Chip and Dales and Ducktales games. Oh yeah, those are some of the, the best Duck games Tales of all time. The Capcom Disney games, every single one of them is is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Tiny Toons was a good game. I never played. Yeah, it. that was fun. That was Spy vs. Spy was fucking sweet. Ooh. Yeah, I used to play that. I enjoyed that too. Uh, Dream Raider on HBO Max in the near future where criminals are able to hack into your mind to commit crimes. The only people that can stop them are the Dream Raiders. <laughs> One article called it The Matrix Meets Inception in Taiwan. 
And uh, I got through one episode. And me too. I do not like this at all. <laughs> um, this is an absolute toss. It. I really don't have a lot to say about it because uh, I thought, you know, oh wow, this, you know, this sounds like a very interesting concept. Uh, HBO Max uh, clearly, like this, this was originally aired in Taiwan. Must have been a hit because HBO Max bought it for extra content, and I feel like this is just like, I feel like this is just like. Uh, Netflix just buying up everything and throwing, you know, half of the, half of the stuff on Netflix you're never gonna watch. And I feel like HBO Max kind of dipped their toes into that realm here with Dream Raider, cause I will never watch another episode. I, I, I feel like the, the concept is cool, the way that they present it and the way that the actors portray everything happening is dumb as fuck. And I hate Dream Raider. I toss some Dream Raider. And, uh, it's crap. It, it should be called Drain Raider because it's crap. It's raiding my toilet drain. <laughs> toilet Raider. <laughs> What'd you think, Jake? Yeah, this was total garbage. Um, I, interesting concept, but man, the, it's just a terrible pilot episode. It's like exposition fucking city. It's like raid a fucking dream already. Like hook us in, show us something cool, explain stuff after you've shown it to us. Don't spend 43 minutes just explaining. Uh, yeah, this show was nauseating and I could not wait to watch anything else. Yeah, it's a toss. What do you think, Billy, of Dream Raider? Dream, uh, Billy's going to love it. He's going to be like, top of wire it. This show stinks. Okay. All I right. wanted to jump right into the big pit of fire that you see right in the beginning of this episode. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's no just shit. like, uh, again, Jake, Jake hit it right on the head. Show us something cool right away. Stop. I don't care about you guys. I really don't. They were so bland and cold and gray and. I, I was same with Jake. I, I was really just looking forward to the episode ending. Toss it. Don't waste your time, people. And I, my notes literally were funny enough. I said, why did HBO buy this? Like, what did they, what is so, what happens in this freaking show? They saw Squid Game and they did not give a fuck. Oh, uh, that's like, give us anything. Yes. This was like the beginning of Squid Game. The first episode is freaking boring too. So it's just like, oh, I like exactly that. Oh, you're out of Squid your game. mind. The first episode of Squid Game was incredible. You're out of your mind. Yeah, I liked it too. I, so this is what it reminded me of. But again, I do not. I'm, Squid Game is quadrillion times better than this show. Don't waste your time on this show. Yeah, absolutely. Do not waste your time. Let's jump into how it ends on uh, how it, it was. Was this theatrical? Uh, did Epics just it came out last year? It might have had like a limited theatrical release. Then maybe went to VOD. Now it's on Epics and it'll be on Hulu uh, by the end of this month on February 25th. But uh, how it ends, a woman scores an invite to one last wild party before the world ends. However, making it there won't be easy after her car is stolen and the clock is ticking on her plan to tie up loose ends with friends and family. That synopsis kind of sucked. So here's another synopsis that I read. When a meteorite is found to be on a collision course with Earth, a young woman uh, takes stock of her life through an imagined conversation with her childhood self. And... Uh, it stars Zoe Lister Jones as the main character of uh is it Liza? And then uh Kaylee Spaney plays uh the younger version of herself as uh little Liza. And we've got a fuck ton of cameos from P 
people in Hollywood throughout this movie. A few of those names, Helen Hunt, Olivia Wilde, Fred Armisen, Lamorne Morris, Nick Kroll, Bradley Whitford, Logan Marshall Green, Finn Wolfhard, Whitney Cummings, Tawny Newsom, Glenn Howerton, Paul Shear, Colin Hanks, Charlie Day, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, Polly Shore. Tons of fucking people in this movie. And I felt like it was like uh this movie was based on favors like uh people were people <laughs> yeah. people were like uh giving her uh like she like they were doing a favor for her for being in this movie and then also the people I'd never heard of uh she was doing a favor for them for letting them be in this movie and the whole premise is that a meteorite is going to hit the earth and uh and everyone's going to die and uh, it's a comedic take on that. And uh, there's a version, a younger version of herself. And some of the people are able to see the younger version of herself. Uh, no, everyone's able to see the younger version of herself because I guess everyone's senses are heightened. And so on the last day, people can see the younger version of herself. And and um, it is uh, I don't I, I I feel like, you know, some like, you know, you got Paul Shear. And Rob Hubel showing up, and I'm like, I love these guys. They're funny. And Glenn Howerton shows up, Charlie Day, and Nick Kroll. I love these guys. Um, I just didn't like this movie. Um, low taste it for me. I, 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 I guess I like I like quirky movies. This is just a little too quirky, and um, it does try to like uh, does try to have like a message here, you know, like. I just didn't, I don't know. I just didn't really care for this one. And I was super excited because it's like this in crazy ensemble cast and cast. And it's just like, it, it really is. It's just like the movie keeps you engaged by like, okay, who's the next cameo going to be? And what's the next underwhelming cameo appearance going to be? <laughs> because it's like, I, I'm excited for the name. I'm excited for the actor that they're showing me, but it just continues with underwhelming performances. And I feel like it's like a movie based on favors. Like, hey, could you be in my movie? But I'm not going to give you anything good to do. Anyway, I it's a low taste it for me. Yeah, uh, Billy, what'd you think? Did you watch How It Ends? I did. Um, I am completely as basically as opposite as you. I adored this movie. I, I loved every cameo. I, I didn't know anything really about this movie. I didn't watch any trailer or anything. So when these people started popping up, you're right, Brian. There is an element of it, I think, that you kind of get swept up and wanted to see who pops up next. And it almost felt like you were getting little snippets of, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes almost where these, like, random situations were occurring. But I, I like the message. I, I have a, I'm going to put it a high taste. It. I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I Emily watched it with me as well. She really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think it beats you too over the head with the message throughout the movie. That kind of really does kind of come towards the end there. And like you said, the dynamic with you know her younger self following her around. And I just found it funny like early on with people like being able to see her. And I just thought that was a kind of again, it was just something very unexpected for me. It's only like a ninety minute movie. Uh, again, it's a really high taste. Again, to me, it was a really I was. A, I felt like happy throughout the entire thing and I wanted to finish it throughout. So I, I really enjoyed it. I think, yeah, I think I definitely see, I can see people watching this and loving it and, and having an opposite, like I think this quirky kind of humor works on some people and it just did not work on me. Uh, I think I might be in the minority. Jake, what did you think? 
Yeah, I'm 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 not gonna taste it for this one. It was fun for a little bit, but then I was just kind of over it when it had like 30 minutes left. Like you kind of got its gimmick. We were just walking from one cameo to the next. And <laughs> nothing was ever very like knee slapping funny. I thought the movie was kind of tonally all over the place too. Like there were there was definitely serious things that happened in the main character's life. But there's times where it's obviously like trying to be very slapsticky funny. And then like later on, there's this dramatic moment between her and her younger self where they kind of break up. And I thought that was completely unearned. And all of a sudden yeah. it felt like a completely different movie. I'm like, where is all this like bad feelings? Like there was never any establishment that her younger self had all this resentment that was all of a sudden just like thrown on the table in front of the main character. And I, I was just like, what the fuck kind of movie am I watching? Yeah. And even the resolve of that just seems very much like shrug your shoulders. Okay. We're over it because the world is ending. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't much care for this movie. I, you know what it reminded was, me of Jake? It reminded me of like, as like watching an episode of, and I know this is not going to make any sense. Maybe just to me, like an episode of like, Wee's Playhouse when I was a kid, like, oh, the next guest is Cowboy Curtis, and oh, here comes Missy Vaughn, <laughs> and then, like, the next person to walk into Wee's Playhouse is gonna be, you know, Captain Carl, and it was just like, it was just like this weird kind of, like, adult Wee's Playhouse where she's just walking around, and we're gonna get to see, like, what are her weird neighbors doing on the final day of Earth's existence before it's obliterated, and it was just like, Okay, here's Charlie Day and his real life wife, and they're playing a couple in this, and now now they might be inviting her into a threesome. What is going? It's just I don't know. I, ha ha ha! They're I, tripping on ass. Yes, yes. I don't know. I again, I just got a completely different feel from it. I just thought it was. I think you could tell it was just being glib at itself. I, I, again, I don't think it took itself too seriously. And like I said, Which I just kind of. Yeah, sure. I'm very curious to see, like, with a lot of like the, with the community, like the leftover army, like feels like I'm, I'm curious to see like who likes it versus who doesn't like it. It's always interesting to me in like movies like this when you have a divided opinion. Like you'd be like surprised at who was going to like something. I was going to be. I was convinced. I thought Jake was going to actually really like it. Like I, I wasn't sure about Brian. So again, I'm. It's always interesting to to find that out. I, I was liking it. Yeah. I kind of grew tired of it. Yeah. I, yeah, I, mean, I think I, it could be fair. I feel like it could have been a good half an hour, 40 minutes. Um, in fact, it drugged. When, when Billy said that it was nice and short and under 90 minutes, I actually had to Google it. I was like, really? That was less than 90 minutes? And I'm surprised to see it was an hour and 23 minutes because it really drug on at the end for mm. me. Hmm. Yeah, uh, it's on Epics now, uh, but uh, if you want to wait, if you have a Hulu subscription, you can watch it on uh, February 25th when it drops on Hulu, and that is how it ends. And uh, yeah, final thing in Good Pop, Bad Pop, and then we'll take a break, don't worry, Jake, is uh, are you good? Are you good? I don't know. I don't know your situation, Jake. This is me asking. Oh, I'm fine. Okay, awesome. Uh, oh, I'm excited for the break after this last thing. I need a break right now. <laughs> I, okay, I there Let's we not go. Get ahead of yourself. That's the that's the Jake that I know and love. There we go. <laughs> there's 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 my little guy. There he is. There he is. Um, yeah, Severance. Severance on Apple TV Plus. Uh, new series with Adam Scott. Mark. Uh, played by Adam Scott, leads a team of office workers whose memories have been surgically divided between their work and personal lives. When a mysterious colleague appears outside of work, it begins a journey to discovery 
to discover the truth about their jobs. It's directed by Ben Stiller and Oaf McCardle, and it stars Adam Scott, Zach Cherry, Zach Cherry, the guy uh, in, uh, in in Spider Man uh, uh, Homecoming, and uh, and in uh, Far From Home. No, he would no, not far from home. Uh, he was in Shang Chi. He was the guy on the on the, on the on the bus that was filming Shang Shang Chi fight. That okay. that that Zach Cherry, uh, Britt Lauer, Tramel Tillman, John Turturro, Patricia Arquette, and Christopher Walken. Been a while since I've seen Christopher Walken in anything. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Um, this is an interesting concept. I, I want you guys to talk about this one. But uh, I felt like it. It felt like to me it was like a it was like a Noah Hawley show fucked a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> and, I like that. And that's what we got here with Severance. Um, yeah. So like it's this whole uh, the show kind of like as it goes along, you find out that uh, Adam Scott's character uh, volunteered for a procedure. Where they do this invasive brain surgery and they implant something into your head and, uh, you basically live two different lives. You live a work life and a personal life. And I think it's kind of like, uh, like a metaphor for like, you know, we all have our, our work self and then we have who we are at home. We're, we're two different people. We're a different person at work than we are at home. And they took that literally here. So like, everybody does it for like their own reason. But like, as soon as you step into like the work building, like it's like a switch goes off and you can't remember who you are on the outside world. And then you work all day, you do your job the job. We'll talk about the job. The job's fucking weird. And then as soon as you leave work and you're, and you're back outside, you don't remember yourself on the inside of your job. You don't know exactly what happens in there so you live two separate lives unbeknownst and you and and they refer to like your your there an innie and an outie so there's the outie that's you on the outside and the innie that's you in work and um it is a bizarre fucking concept and uh i've watched the first two episodes I want to hear what you guys have to say about this one, though. Jake, how many episodes did you watch? I just watched the first episode. How many episodes did you watch, Billy? I watched two. Okay, I want to hear from Jake first. Then is it is it was it just the first episode, or you just run out of time? I, I ran out of time. This was um, one of the things that came out on Friday, and I couldn't get back to watch the second episode. Um, yeah, if I'd have known Cuphead was going to be so bad, I could have skipped uh, skipped watching that and maybe watched the second episode here. But uh, I never would have thought. I-, I loved this first episode, though, and I plan on watching the second episode probably tomorrow, honestly, after work. Uh, this was a Tupperware for me. And, like, it's the opposite of Dream Raider where they do just kind of jump you right into this fantastical story. And I'm instantly curious what's going on because instead of it being explained to me what's going on, I'm seeing this weird shit take place. Like from him arriving and crying in his car to this woman being interviewed and why are these questions so weird and why are her answers acceptable in the first place and i was just sucked right into this reality and found the whole episode fascinating i can't wait to see if there's some kind of breakdown in the surgery and if this main character is going to be able to actually figure out what's going on between his two different lives um I thought there was so much brilliant stuff going here. I, the gift card for bumping his head, I thought was just an insane moment. Um, 
I love Adam Scott. I think this is one of his best performances I've ever seen, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm all in on this. I can't wait to watch more episodes of this. Yeah. Uh, I'm hooked. I'm hooked on the show 100%. It really has to, really has to, uh, stick the landing here. Cast is great. The Patricia Arquette. Oh, the reveal at the end of the first yeah. episode was that she was... Yeah. Whoa, 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 Spoiler. Spoiler, Jake. No, 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 you, no, no. You're definitely not an Audi. Let's, <laughs> let's not... Let's, I, I think that's it. a. I think that's a big one. I don't think... I, I, th- I think I want people to watch that on their Just own. Just do a big bleep. Do a bleep. Yeah, nice. I talked over him enough. I don't think people heard it. Um, yeah, but it, it was shocking. I, I, I could not wait to watch the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, Billy, I am a like a almost at a high taste. It, it, it's I really like the performance. I think, like Jake said, it definitely brings you right into the universe right away, which I really appreciate. I think the only thing holding me back is kind of what you kind of alluded to, Bri. I'm I just really want them to stick the landing on this. This is this is a show that has like an opportunity to be so awesome and a really cool ride with a really fulfilling you know, end destination, at least even for the first season. But I, there is also just that inkling feeling that this could just be like a really dumpy crap ending. And I, I'm just, I'm in right now and I'm going to continue to watch, but it didn't hook me as much say as like Bel Air did, but I, I still think it's worth people giving it a few episodes. I'm, I'm really curious to see how it evolves, you know, episodes three, four now seeing the first two, I think it definitely builds on itself in the second episode, but, um, Again, I, I think it's just that trepidation that the they may not stick the landing. Kind See, of I, I have to rate stuff without I, you know. I don't know if they're going to stick the landing. Or not. I, I just have to rate stuff on like how, how it's doing its job now. Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah, and that's uh, no, no. I'm just you know, it's just, I'm just I'm, it, that is a fear I have. I understand. I, I'm rating this. Uh, my rating is going to be how I'm viewing it now. Like. If at the end of the day it doesn't stick the landing, then my rating will change. Um, I and and it's not that I was wrong because I I am giving this a Tupperware now. I it would have been like okay, this series started off as a Tupperware and holy fuck, did it shit the bed? <laughs> it shit the bed. <laughs> Like I did on that one episode during Marvel News. Like I was going to say it was like your grandfather. Yes. It, my, my grandfather. Oh, my God. Loose bow Bob is what they called him, Jake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, – Oh, yeah. This show is so fucking good. The yeah. music is so eerie and fucking creepy. The fucking lighting in the place they work is so fucking off-putting. Uh, everything yeah. about it. There's a there, – there, the – I think it's episode two when John Turturro goes into a, you know, we see the break room, but John Turturro goes into like a, uh, uh, has an episode and then has to go into a wellness session. And oh, yeah. the wellness session is just bizarre. Um, and then there is a moment when, you know, they are doing their jobs and their job is to look at the computer screen and, uh, basically kind of like cut out with this computer, they have to use a mouse and cut out scary numbers and then drop them in like a kind of like a recycling bin on their computer. And these computers look <laughs> like they're from, you know, it's funny that this is coming from, you know, Apple TV, the same people that make like the MacBook and like the computers that they use in this building at this company called Lumen, which is where these people work that have their, you know, 
uh, lives, their work and their personal lives separated. The computers look like they're straight out of like the seventies, like seventies, eighties, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gives but, me a lot of like Dharma vibes from Lost. Oh yeah, totally. I thought another really interesting thing about the show is usually when there's a story like this, it's this thing that they've done to these people that like no one knows about. But it seems like in this universe, the general public is completely aware of this surgery that's oh, taking are. place. Yeah, and that that's a real interesting twist. Like you never see that in stories like this. It's I always think it's, like a. It's episode two. There's actually uh like uh like protesters. In the yeah, second I think episode. that's really fascinating. Usually the big twist is like, oh, my God, can you believe what they're doing? But here it's like they've been doing this for like decades and everyone's completely aware of it. And yeah. some people seem to like even relate with why people would understand why they would make this choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm digging it, man. I'm digging it. No, Billy, I get your rating, dude. I get your rating. You're watching it and it's it's very like you're tentatively like – on board because yeah, at any yeah. moment i mean this could just this could just i don't know they could jump the shark yeah. yeah they could really screw the pooch on this one and just like not deliver on a on an ending but like for right now i'm in and until that moment i'm in and i'm watching week to week like apple tv like the the quality of programming that they have over there is it's astounding. I mean, I'm loving um Christopher Lord's uh, The After Party. Uh, I just it's so good. It's it is are, are are either of you guys watching The After Party? I haven't started yet, but it's on the list. Oh my god. Like if you're a Phil Lord and Chris Miller fan, like this is from Chris Miller and, and Phil Lord is a, an executive producer on it. The cast is just incredible. Um, um, what's his name? The other Franco, not James, the Dave. Dave. Yeah. Dave Franco. And, uh, oh God, like everybody's name is escaping me. My brain is just fucking mush right now. Um, I put it on the list. After party on Apple TV Plus. Yeah, dude, it's a it's it's some great comedians and it's it's a fantastic like murder mystery. So if you want, oh Ben Schwartz is in ben it. Schwartz. Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, yeah. If you're looking for something to like fill that like knives out murder mystery kind of gap for you with like you know, and then have like this original kind of like. Uh, chris miller spin on it man this is the show to be watching it is fucking it is really good and each episode they focus on a different character being interrogated by tiffany haddish and so you see like a different story a different side of of somebody that are trying to figure out like who murdered uh dave franco's character and it is it is phenomenal it is like i love the after party so yeah keep watching it or start watching it it's really good Ah, that's all we got for good pop, bad pop. Unless you guys had anything you wanted to bring up that sucked or people should be watching. I'm good. I think we covered it all. All right, everything's covered. We got this covered. dot com. Yes, we. <laughs> yes, go there. Go there. Go there for some reliable news, people. Hard hitting. Hard hitting. Hard hitting. Reliable scoops. Reliable scoops. Not that. Jake, I don't think they've ever reported anything false. No, not a once. Not a once. They, they're they always on the money. Yes. On the money. On the money. Uh, we'll the be, pulse of the people. The pulse of the people is what they call it, Jake. 
<laughs> All right, we'll be right back with the uh, Pop Culture Leftovers news. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit. That freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right. Hey, we are back. Jake, we got this covered. Trusted news source. Trusted news source. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Stamp of approval. Trusted news source. I heard that Joker may be uh, homosexual in the next movie from We Got This Covered. Trusted news source. (laughs) Time for the pop culture leftovers news. Not as trusted. Alright, uh, news, uh, from Dark Horizons. Uh, Paramount Plus sets Ninja Turtles villain films. Did you guys see this news? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, as part of yesterday's Investor's Day presentation, Paramount announced that a new series of films in the works with each focused on the villains of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. These movies all run unrelated to either the upcoming Colin Jost penned live action film or Seth Rogen's upcoming CG animated series reboot for Nickelodeon will premiere exclusively on Paramount Plus starting in 2023. Uh, TMNT has a large library of villains who can star in their own films with the likes of Shredder, Krang, Bebop, and Rocksteady being the most famous. I can't believe they left out Baxter Stockman. Anyway. He was so annoying in the video game. Uh, What do you think, Jake? What do you think about uh, Ninja Turtles villain films? Villain focus films. It's too much. I I could see it being cool if it was all like this connected universe thing, but it's just too much Turtles, I think. I... I don't really care about the villains and the scene solo stories. I I, I want to see the whole package together, or I don't want to see it at all. Kinda. I, I I have little to no interest in this. Yeah, Billy, what are you thinking, man? Kind of in the same vein. I, I'm a big Ninja Turtles guy, but I would love them to get one iteration right and kind of build upon that. Maybe kind of take like the Sonic route, a couple good movies, then do the spinoffs and stuff. Um. But, you know, I obviously will give it a, you know, a watch, but I don't have a ton of confidence. The only, the only story that I would really want to see is if they did, I don't know, Jake, if you ever read like the Teenage Mutant, not, not the original comic that came out, but like when we were kids, they came out with, um, uh, comics 
for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that were kind of they made the characters look like they were in the in the cartoon. The, the Archie series, yeah, I'm very familiar. yeah. I was a fan of like the origin story that they had come up with in those comics for uh, Shredder and Master Splinter, and I and I really think that there's a story to be told there with. With um, Hamato Yoshi, you know, Splinter when he was a man, and then, with, and that's the way they did it in the comics. He was not originally like in the in, in the movie. He was like a rat that learned kung fu from his master, and blah 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 blah. In the comics, he was a man named Hamato Yoshi, and 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 then uh, Shredder was a Roku Saki. And I think, dude, I'm not lying, like. As a kid, those are some of my favorite comics and reading the origin story and how they became Master Splinter and how he became Shredder. And I think like if they go back to like, you know, their fucking Japanese roots and we get to see these two as men, just a whole origin story. And, and you don't leave fucking Splinter out of this, man. You call it if you call it a Shredder movie, you still have to, in my opinion, have to have Hamato Yoshi who becomes Master Splinter. I still think that there's a movie to be made there. I'd love to see that not as a kid's movie, though. I, I can see why that's one of your favorite comics of all time, because it's very much like the classic kung fu movie conceit, like yes. a comic. And it's really fucking cool. And I think it'd be really cool if it was done that way. Like, don't make it for kids. Like, give us that story in a fucking, like, hardcore kung fu movie right. with those two characters. Like, I, I know the object is to make money, and you're not going to make as much money going that route. It's not going to be as accessible to the youth, but... I think it could be like a fucking cult classic if they went all out like that. Yeah, like 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 um a big budget almost like fan film, you know? Like Yeah, yeah. I think it's half the reason I don't care is I've just kind of grown out of it and it's a franchise that hasn't really grown up with me. Like I've grown up but the Ninja Turtles franchise, for the most part, I mean, yeah. I know they're doing some interesting stuff in the comic books, but as far as TV and movies go, it's never been catered to past a 16-year-old. And I think that's why I've kind of lost interest in it. I get it, man. Yeah, and what I'm proposing here, and what actually what I said and now what you're proposing is like, let's age this shit up a little bit. But you're right, man. Like, is that what... Is that what they think would sell? They probably don't. I'll probably never get that movie, dude. But that's the movie I want. I want Hamato Yoshi and Oroku Saki. Cause like those, that's, that is a really cool fucking origin story that they gave us in the comics. I think it was, I think it was better in the comics than it was in the actual cartoon. And it definitely was better than what we got in the 1990 movie, in my opinion. And so. That's what I would want to see. But as far as like, you know, if we did a Baxter Stockman and we did it in the same style that you're talking about, Jake, like they could do, they could give us some body horror, kind of make it like the fly, you know? Oh, yeah. And there's so much cool stuff you could do if you would just age it up, I think. Yeah. I think the material is ripe for that. It almost was that in its original iteration. Like it really became catered towards kids like in the Saturday morning cartoon boom and then just has n never like really escaped that but yeah like god imagine like fucking like splinter as a human like going through a hundred foot soldiers and like limbs flying everywhere and just how cool of a movie you could fucking make dude yeah, what I love a, the idea imagine if they got Addy Shankar who did like that bootleg universe movies you know he yeah. did he he did uh he wrote for dread he wrote for the Castlevania series the Castlevania anime on Netflix Imagine if they got Addy Shankar to take his bootleg universe and fucking make a full, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 
like that. He's the one that did like the R-rated Mighty Morphin Power Rangers short. You know, he did uh, uh, Venom, Truth and Journalism. Uh, he did the Punisher um, short with Tom Jane, Dirty Laundry. Like he makes some really good shit. They won't do it, man. They're going to keep it for kids. Um, yeah, if that's it's too bad, both can't exist. Like, because I'd be right. fine with Paramount Plus slash Nickelodeon still doing their thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But man, I agree with you, man. I don't care about a fucking Rocksteady Bebop origin if they're going to do it the way that they're going to do it, and you know, fucking Krang origin. I mean, oh god, yeah, Krang's maybe the most interesting. Interesting, if you're doing it in yeah. kid style. Yeah, you're right there. Cause like, if they, did, if they did it like a dark version, just like this fucking veiny pulsating brain is gonna be scary as shit to look at. It'll look like Alistair from fucking Psycho Gorman. Oh man, they're gonna make like baby Krang. It'll be like cute, like Grogu. Yeah, oh god. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Billy, what are your thoughts on this, man? And don't let us damper our, our, your thoughts if you, if you're excited for this news. No, I, I think I'm more so right along the same vein as you guys. I, I, I think it's just something that isn't overtly necessary. And so, I, I don't know. I Again, it's I'm just curious to see how it develops. But, I, I mean, I don't really have much to add, kind of like I said, really in the vein of you guys. What do you think? Do you think it's just like – this is what I think. <laughs> I think it's just a way to get more Paramount Plus subscribers. Like, oh, 100 percent. 100%. No, definitely. And, and Paramount Plus, I, I think the announcements they made in that press conference, and we may I see cover more of them, I do think they're making a more concerted effort. I think they're trying to double down on the franchises and the valuable franchises they do have, things like yeah. South Park and Yellowstone and stuff like that. But I, I like I had said kind of initially, I just think that they need to not – kind of spread themselves thin on things until they get the initial run or a current run of that correctly so it's crazy though it's like it's like fucking uh disney plus has uh kevin feige doing all the marvel stuff and 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 we've got dave filoni and john favreau doing the doing the star wars stuff who is going to be that person for teenage mutant ninja turtles for Paramount Plus, or are we just going to continue? Nobody, apparently, exactly. That's the problem. It sounds like there's too many different people doing that. Exactly. Well, they've got they've got the the new Seth Rogen animated show. Which have you guys seen the the picture of like what the concept art looks like? Yeah, I wasn't too impressed. It looks like a it looks like a Golden Books version. Yeah, oh, yeah. I saw it with the date announced, and I was like, yeah, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with the villain films. I'm sure that I will at least watch whatever the first entry in the series will be. And if it's good, I'll stick with it. But I don't have uh, my hopes up. Uh, news from ComingSoon.net. J.J. Abrams to produce fourth Star Trek film, full cast returning. So they're talking about the Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe Zaldana, Carl Urban, John Cho, and Simon Pegg. Sadly, Anton Yelkin... Um, I wonder how they're going to address him, Jake. Check off. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. Um, I don't think they'll ignore it, but yeah, that'll be sad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anton Yelkin, um, no longer with us. Fucking terrible, terrible. Um, but uh, a lot of I, you know, I put out this story, and everybody was just like, "Oh, Michael Bay, uh, not Michael Bay, J.J. Uh, Abrams." Oh my god, no, 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 no. And I'm like, like he's just producing. He you guys do realize that he didn't direct. Star Trek Beyond, and he was still a producer on that one, the one written by Simon Pagg. Yeah, Justin Lin directed that, right? Justin Lin directed that, and 
And um, this one's not being directed by J.J. Abrams. It's being directed by Matt Shackman, the uh, WandaVision showrunner. And um, what do you think, Jake? I mean... Ooh, that's exciting. Uh, I wonder if he'll do some of the same kind of tricks, like try to actually give us a, a Star Trek universe that mirrors some of the 70s aesthetics. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's wild. I didn't think of that. Um, yeah, Billy, what are you thinking? I'm excited. I, I, I mean, I'm not coming from the perspective of someone that's a huge Trekkie. Uh, Star Trek is kind of a, a hole in my like library of things I've watched, but that is also something I'm planning on working on. So as far as like, I see that a lot of the complaints, I think, for those movies do come from people that are big Star Trek fans and purists. So I can't really come from that perspective, but I've more so enjoyed those films than not, especially the first one I really enjoyed. Um, so I, I am curious to see and if to, to get the whole cast back on. They either throw the threw them a shit ton of money or they have a good idea. So I hope yeah. it's a, a good idea. I think the good idea is getting Matt Shackman to direct the movie first off. I, you know, yeah. so I think that's a good choice. Um, I hated the second one. The second one's terrible in my opinion, and uh, the third one was a little bit better, but it's no higher than a taste it for me when it comes to Star Trek Beyond. So I think other than that first movie, which I loved, I absolutely loved. I think it was like, I think that I yeah, I think that was the first movie I ever saw in IMAX. I watched it. Oh, wow. And then That's a good one. I watched it in IMAX cool in movie. Orlando, and it was the biggest IMAX screen I've ever seen in my entire life. And uh, watching it was 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 incredible. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that Matt Chackman can do something good with this. I think it's a great cast, and um, yeah, I'm hoping for a good good movie, but. Yeah, man. Th- this is it, dude. Jake, this is it. Like, if this movie is... Even if it's good, if it doesn't make money, they're done. Like, we're never seeing Carl Urban, Chris Pine, any of these as these characters ever. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's one way or the other here. I, I think it's either this movie's a bomb and we never see him again, or this movie's a hit and they make three shitty movies after. I think it's in their favor, though. If they have a good movie, I think it's in their favor that they think, like, you know, Star Wars isn't Star Wars hasn't really delivered as recent in the movies. I think people, because of like, even though they made money, Solo made money, and even though fucking, you know, The Rise of Skywalker made money, I don't think people like loved those movies, embraced them as much as I think a lot of people embraced like The Force Awakens and even, even Rogue One to an extent. I think yeah, that, and there's a big drought in Star Wars movies right now too. I mean, yeah, this movie could potentially be out before another Star Wars theatrical movie. That's why I'm thinking that this could be this could be big. Yeah, yeah. If this does come out where there's no Star Wars, that people might like fucking go to the theaters to watch this one, and hopefully it'll do good, man. Because I think it's got a great cast. I like the director. Oh, yeah. What's up? I was going to say the, the cast is super fun. Like, yes. I, you know, it's going to be hard to resist. Like it, the first one's definitely the best one. But yes. Obviously the cast has a lot of great chemistry. They obviously enjoy dipping their toes in this franchise. I, yeah, I, it's going to be a fun popcorn movie. I think I and mean, good or bad. I think it'll be at least enjoyable one time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more alien series news from dark horizons. Um, the alien series, uh, Hails from Noah Hawley. 
Fargo just got renewed for a fifth season, by the way. Um, I saw that. After that, he's going to go to work on the Alien series, which apparently has several scripts already completed, asked about how the new show will fit into continuity. Uh, FX Network boss John Landgraf said, uh, there are some big surprises in store for the audience. Alien takes place before Ripley. It's the first story that takes place in the Alien franchise on Earth, so it takes place on our planet right near the end of the century we're in, so 70-odd years from now. Um, by that comment, it will be set in the 2090s, around the time that Ridley Scott's Prometheus is set, and a good 30 years before the events of the first film, Alien. Uh, don't expect any of the characters from any of those films to show up. The series is set to avoid the filled-with-fanservice model that has arisen in recent years. Uh, quote, Ripley won't be a part of any of... Uh, won't be a part of it or any of the other characters of Alien other than the alien itself. Noah has this incredible ability, and I think you've seen it with Fargo, to find both a way of being faithful, showing fidelity to an original creation, like a Coen Brothers movie, or in this case, Ridley Scott's and James Cameron's follow-up, Aliens, but also to bring something new to the table that represents extension and reinvention of a franchise at the same time. Uh, don't expect any sign of Alien series before well into 2023 at the earliest is what they're saying here. Mm. It's a long wait. I'm excited for this. I, I love Noah Hawley. I love the Alien franchise for the most part. I mean, every franchise has its stinkers and Alien has had its share, but um, I'm excited to see it in the hands of Noah Hawley. I, I can't wait to see this show. Does it... Does having Alien on TV uh, weaken the brand? I don't know. I don't think TV has the stigma that it used to have where it's like, oh, there's a Nightmare in Elm Street series. Now the whole series is crap. And even even more recently with like Scream and everything, I don't really think TV has that kind of stigma anymore. I don't think it weakens the brand at all. Does TV can it can it weaken some brands? I mean, are there certain things that you would not want to see on TV? I, hmm. I think in today's day and age, no. I've heard no. the argument that like we should like, especially like uh, interviews from Frank Marshall. Like it's he, Jurassic Park will never be a TV series. Maybe like James like. Bond. Yeah, James Bond too. Yeah, James Bond's an interesting one. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, just with the the budget and the money and the time they put into these TV shows these days, like I could see that too. Yeah, but like you know, having it on TV and then expecting like and then having a big budget movie come out after that, does it weaken like the brand or 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 you know what I mean? Like um, it weaken it, it depends on the material, honestly. The fact that it's a TV show in my opinion in today's day and age does not weak the brand weaken the brand if it's a bad tv show yes but it's not because it's a tv show it's because the material isn't good enough for the franchise the actual story and writing and acting could potentially weaken the theatrical brand but i don't think just the fact that it's a tv show does at least anymore I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. It's like if you it is, it is weird. It's like it's if you have it's a kind of slowly happened. Like even even if you, somebody considers like a Jurassic Park movie, and a lot of people do, like a Jurassic Park movie bad, like they still have been able to make big time money in the theater, and then the, and then 
like what if the series comes out for Jurassic Park and it's way better than like the movies then like the next time like then it's like do they come out with another movie at that point and then make you know the millions that they were making before or or did the fact that a TV show did a TV show week in the brand or if the TV show comes out and it's not good then does it get people less on the hype train to see it in the theater at that point because they've been let down by it it's like the same thing of like you know that did the first suicide squad movie ruin the theatrical release not just covid but did the the first suicide suicide squad movie ruin the box office for the suicide squad like did that first movie weaken the brand <laughs> it didn't of, help <laughs> it didn't help so i don't know there's i mean but even in that scenario, it's kind of like what I'm saying. It's not about what platform it was released on. It's about the, the material itself. And like an overdrought of material is definitely going to weaken a thing. Like I think the time was right. Jurassic Park is a great example. Like we hadn't seen anything for so long. And Jurassic World was a solid enough movie. And people were hankering for more Jurassic Park. It had been so long before we'd seen anything. Yeah, but you come out with a TV show at that point. I was getting ready to say, if there was a TV show in between there, I I can see your point. I can see it it not working and not being that perfect storm to make everyone just want to revisit Jurassic Park again. Yeah. But – I mean it it kind of – And what I say by like weaken the brand, I can say weaken the brand. Does it weaken the brand – I can say, like, is it just weak in the box office, or I think I think it what it what it does, bro. I think you have an interesting point. I think it dilutes a lot of brands. It's it, again, it could be down to the quality could always be great, but at the end of the day, it's like people even saying, Jake, oh, there's been a Star Wars movie in a while. It's like, but yeah, but for people like us, it's like, oh, but there's been X Y Z series, and we've seen a lot of the things. I, I do think there is. I do miss some things being either theatrical only or television only, but like things like we were saying, like Star Wars and Jurassic Park and James Bond, like Mission Impossible. I really, the Star Wars is long gone. You can't, there's nothing you can do about that train. That's, you know, out of the station, but I, I would love for there to be some franchises and things that do stay and feel a little bit more event worthy just because one comes out, not because it's building to some crescendo of a long, built up storyline or connected you know universe here's the thing i that's a great point maybe it just comes down to the fact that like let's look at these franchises and let's see like what they have done like the jurassic movies are still making money let's keep them in the theater alien on the other hand like that last movie covenant ah come on i mean maybe maybe alien on tv is like where we need to go to like reinvigorate you know pump some new life into this fucking you know this franchise maybe that's what For we need sure. to do another movie's not going to do the trick we've seen that yeah and let's give it let's put it in the hands of noah holly and see what he has to do you know yeah they were going to give it to what's his fucking face from uh district nine neil blomkamp but that fell out i think that there probably was some kind of creative differences between him and ridley scott and i think ridley scott wanted to kind of uh do his own thing with aliens and kind of, you know, acts. It sounded like Blomkamp wanted to use a lot of the lore, too. And I think they're a lot more easy on Noah Hawley kind of carving out his own area of story without sacrificing any anyone else's lore. That's true. I mean, but I was really – I'm not a Blomkamp fan. I There's not a Blomkamp movie out there that I've enjoyed. I, I know a lot of people love District 9. I didn't like it. Maybe I need to revisit it and see if I like it now. Maybe I'll in a different headspace or, you know, you know, 10 years removed from it, 15 years removed from it. I'd like it now. Uh, I didn't like Elysium, but here's the thing. Like 
he was going to bring back Ripley. He was going to bring back Newt. He was going to bring back, mm-hmm. you know, Hicks and like that. I, dude, I was like fucking pumped for it. I was like, I don't care if I don't like this guy's shit. I want to see what he does with these characters. It just never happened. Anyway, I don't know. Let's move on into Marvel news. The long ass bumper. You get it. Um, Oh, yeah, real quick. Let me run down this real quick. It sounds like uh, Marvel has got future plans for uh, Tony Dalton's Swordsman. Looks like he's going to come. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That character was so much fun. (laughs) Yeah. Who are they talking to? Um, Trin Tran, executive producer, was saying with Jack's character, we wanted him to be the red herring. Uh, trans set of Kate's would-be stepfather framed for the murder of his wealthy uncle Armand Duquesne. We wanted people to really question whether or not he is acting as sort, sort of like a buffoon this entire time, or is he really faking it? Um, but uh, what does she say? We wanted to explore that character, bring him into the series, but we wanted a different twist to it. We wanted to leave his character at the end as a mystery, and that will actually allow a lot more opportunities down the line if we want to explore Swordsman in the MCU. What do you think that means? Is Swordsman getting a spinoff show here? Are we getting a Swords? I mean, we're already getting an Agatha Harkness show. I mean, we might as well. I mean, everybody's getting a show, dude. It's fucking, it's Oprah. She's giving out cars and shows and Jesus Christ. We might, who knows? We might get a Swordsman show. Yeah, very who knows. Like, I definitely wouldn't be surprised by that announcement. Like, what? That's so far-fetched that they would do that. At yeah. this point, you are absolutely right. Like, you could say anyone is having a show, and I would believe it. Yeah. Do I want Do I want the Swordsman show? No. But could the Swordsman show be the thing that I didn't think I needed in my life? And then when I get it, I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't believe I needed this in my life? Could be. Could be. <laughs> Billy, did you like the Tony Dalton swordsman character? I did enjoy it, but I, I think he would be a character there where it's like less is more. So whether it's in a, 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 a kind of a spinoff of Hawkeye where maybe it's just her and, and not Clint and maybe he is involved or whether it's in the, you know, the Echo series or, you know, something they do with Daredevil in the future, something in that street level. But I, I thought he was great. I don't think we need to follow him around, just like with the Agatha stuff. I, I'm excited. I like the character, but I don't know if I need an entire series because I did like when you could have a few minutes an episode with that character to really make their appearances matter. So uh, I wouldn't – just like Jake, I wouldn't be surprised if they announced anybody with the show. But I'd like to just see him be a supporting character. I'm with you. I wanted them to explore him in just like a future installment of a show, you know? So – yeah, you know, maybe Hawkeye season two, something like that. Uh, comicbook.com, uh, had an article. Kevin Feige calls Avengers Endgame the final Avengers movie. Yeah, I saw that. Here's the full quote. Yeah, right. Well, let me, let me, I'll get to that. He, he says, uh, Marvel Studios and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is now past their 10th anniversary, and with the release of the final Avengers movie, we've finally completed a 22-movie Infinity Saga. Um, and then he says, where do we go from there? Where do we start? What do we really want to do? Uh, let me just, yeah, okay, so final Avengers movie. Um, I mean, of course, we're probably going to get like a Young Avengers something down the line, but... If we get 
If we get like another Avengers proper movie, Jake, what do you think? They're just going to call it New Avengers? Yeah, I could see New Avengers, or maybe it is legit. Maybe the next event movie will just be titled after the event. Maybe all these characters will be involved, but there won't be an Avengers proper team yeah. that's like really leading the movie at this point. I mean, we're going to be getting the X-Men. I, I was just always, I just, I guess I was always kind of hoping for, you know, AVX, Avengers versus X-Men. I still think it'll happen. I still think uh, you you say there's going to be no more Avengers movies. So when there is another Avengers movie, it's the biggest fucking thing ever. Like they, we just saw the success of No Way Home. There's no way they're not going to uh, do another Avengers movie and bring back all those fan favorite characters in some form or another. Yeah, yeah. If if we hear from Andrew Garfield that it was the final Avengers movie, we'll, we'll know he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't buy it. I think it could be a little bit longer than I originally assumed, maybe a year ago until we get it. But it's definitely happening in less than 10 years. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think we're just gonna, we're gonna end with, uh, Star Wars news here. Did you, did you hear about, uh, possible Obi-Wan Kenobi spoilers for making StarWars.net? I did not. I saw some stuff. Yeah, spoilers. Uh, this is from, uh, possible spoilers. And, uh, the article talks about Princess Leia, Kumail Nanjiani, the Inquisitor plot, and more. In Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Today, rumors are circulating about 10-year-old Princess Leia Organa of Alderaan's appearance in Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I can tell you the rumors are true and fill in the blanks somewhat. I do think it is important to not read too much into the plot points here as there is more to it all than meets the eye in terms of overall story. This is just a sliver of the first third of the series is my guess. So it goes on to uh, different bullet points here. The first one, leaving Tatooine. Obi-Wan Kenobi leaves Tatooine on a secret mission to save Princess Leia after Bail Organa shows up in Obi-Wan's cave saying she has been abducted and the Organas need his help. Obi-Wan takes public transport off Tatooine like we see in the Book of Boba Fett to a world described as Reno if it were a Star Wars planet. By a source working at Manhattan Beach. Um, didn't didn't we see that in Last Jedi already? The Reno planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was more Vegas. This is Reno. Okay. Could be junkier. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, the plan to capture uh, the Inquisitors have studied the Jedi's past. They are hunting and have an understanding of who was close to certain living Jedi before Order 66. As the hunt for Obi-Wan Kenobi by the Grand Inquisitor commences, the fifth brother and the vile third sister begin to pull on threads that will spring Kenobi from out of the shadow so they can slay him. The idea is to have Senator Organa's daughter captured and see who comes to save her. If their intel is correct, they just might catch a big fish like Kenobi. So basically, yeah. Leia's been captured by the Inquisitors. We're going to get to see a live action, live action Inquisitors, it sounds like, from this movie. So we're going to see the fifth brother and the third sister, the Inquisitors that were, I believe, the same Inquisitors that we saw in the Rebels series. And one's Sarah Michelle Gellar, right? Yeah, I don't know if they're going to cast her live action, but we'll find out. That would be cool. Um, and 
then the, that's the plan is to capture her and then to see which Jedi is going to, you know, which surviving Jedi is going to uh, try to rescue her, which would be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kamel Nanjiani and Space Reno. This is the uh, third bullet point. Remember in Rogue One Star Wars story how Cassian had contacts in the shadows he would meet for information? Well, Kenobi travels to a world no one wants to go to, full of crime, scum, and villainy. Space Reno. This is where it, that's not going to be the name, people. I, that's just, I hope it is. That's just what they're it calling it. Yeah. This is where he meets up with uh, Kumail Nanjiani's character, a contact of Organa's and Kenobi's. Nanjiani's character then points him to a spice den where Leia is being held captive. A disguised Kenobi then sneaks into the spice den and rescues 10-year-old Princess Leia. Uh, I'm hearing such good things about Kumail Nanjiani and his character in this series. Much more on him later. And then it looks like... Oh, here we go. Minor correction. I also believe Tom O'Connell plays a fleshed, colored, black, tattoo-faced Zabrik in the Spice Den. The Jedi he plays is not actually a Zabrik. The man is playing so many characters, some wires were crossed in a previous report. Anyway, Leia has a... This is where they're talking about the final bullet point being Leia herself, and it says that they have an actor here playing her? Vivian Lyra Blair. Are you familiar with her? Mm -mm. No. Vivian Lyra Blair. Let me look her up here. Who's doing the same? Yeah, she was an actor. She's an actress from Bird Box, the movie. Oh, okay. Bird Box, We Can Be Heroes in Waco. So a young girl... Yeah, she's about the age, 10 years old. Leia has a lot of sassy prep. She is difficult and funny. If you have been following along with me for the last year, I've talked about Paper Moon's influence on Star Wars. Um, That film totally influenced Grogu and his choice to leave his kin and return to Mando. This story for a time has a lot of the same type of comedic dynamic between Moses Prey, a nine-year-old Addie Loggins, but with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Leia. But I don't believe this continues through the entire series, more like a chapter. So, like, I guess this is just like a chapter in the story here with the Inquisitors and Leia, and there's definitely going to be more. Do we know how many episodes Kenobi's going to be? Six, I think. Six episodes. Six is what I heard as well. Interesting. Probably going to be like what draws Vader out. You know what I mean? That might be like the beginning arc gets him off Tatooine. He has a kind of a small victory over yeah. the Inquisitors. And then halfway through, it's like when Vader's like, okay, what the How's it going to draw him out? He doesn't know who, who she is at this point, though, right? I, I, I think I think I saw something where it's like, I think um, Organa is going to go find Obi-Wan. Like, like Leia gets, like, maybe he's actually been tracking him the whole time. Like, he's known where he is, but kind of thing. I, I think there's going to be, because with Organa, I, I'm pretty sure you'll get, like, Jimmy Smith's back and stuff like that. So oh, yeah. That, yeah, but with, with movie canon, it's Luke's thoughts betraying him is how Vader finds out Leia is related to him in the first place. So, yeah, I don't think like, it's going to be about the relation. I think it's just going to be that, like, it's like the Organas are part of the rebellion, and you captured a. a oh, we're just trying to squash them out. It has no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just don't. I, I. I. I really am worried about another meeting between Obi Wan and and Vader before the events of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Right. 
yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird that they would they would go that route. Mm-hmm. But I guess you kind of have to if you're bringing Hayden back. Oh yeah, yeah. So I hope if it's more of like an emotional standoff as opposed to like a big duel, and I'm sure that's not going to be the case. But I, I would hope more. It would be it'd mean more to me if it was like a, a you know hard conversation or an intense like long scene of them together discussing things and then other actions happening around them as opposed to like seeing them do a bunch of backflips and, and duel which i'm sure will be cool but I, I don't think it'll i think it'll take away like you said bry yeah they'll play fucking air hockey or something foosball what are you more excited for kenobi Party. are you more excited for kenobi or ahsoka uh kenobi kenobi yeah, I think I'm there with you too. I just love you and McGregor's portrayal of that character, and just can't wait to see it again. Yeah, we'll am, see if it's good or bad after I see it. But I, I'm very excited to see him return to that role. Deborah yeah. Chow's great too. So mm, that's true, and it's every episode she's directing. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I feel like at um, um, Disney Celebration, I feel like from from what I've heard, and there's, there's nothing concrete, but um, they're thinking that uh, Kenobi comes out the day before a celebration. They're thinking that the people that attend celebration are going to actually get to see the second episode early. That's really oh, cool. Yeah, it's it like cool. the 45th anniversary of A New Hope coming out. Mm-hmm. Yep, on the 25th. So that's when, uh, yeah. Well, that is all I have, gentlemen. It's been a, it's been a long one. It's been yeah, a good it was time. fun, though. Billy didn't right? say it. No, Billy didn't say it was fun. Jesus. No, I said it's been a good time, man. I said I agree. It's been a, a nice three-peat we had today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy, I thought I got disconnected there again. No, I just – I was waiting <laughs> – I was I was waiting for Billy to say something because I didn't hear him. And I was like really like self-conscious <laughs> like he didn't enjoy his time today. And uh, I, I had a blast. I'm sure people are going to have a nice full dose of me by the end of this. They're going to be like, Jesus Christ with this guy. <laughs> I – I know I have. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Billy, when you're not on PCL driving me up a goddamn wall, what are you doing? Uh, I am currently on host of the Reality Guys on YouTube. It is myself, my friend Brian, Kevin, and Waleed. We uh, cover everything reality television, so everything from like The Bachelor to Survivor to Big Brother to The Amazing Race. You name it, we cover it. And uh, coming soon, we will also – I will be hosting a pop culture podcast. The feed should go live probably the week following this episode dropping. It's going to be called The Popcast. Uh, there will be a trailer out there with a little tag and then uh, have some episodes in the can already. And uh, like I said, we'll have more news about that as it starts to roll out. There will be like a Facebook page and everything like that. But for now, you can find us, uh, The Reality Guys, on YouTube. Finally, Jake, an, uh, a, another pop culture podcast. Finally, Jake. Uh, it's what everyone's been clamoring for. <laughs> Finally, man. It's like and I exactly. get one more opinion on the upcoming Batman movie. I know. We need it. 78 I have. <laughs> well, I'm going early next week, so I'm excited. <laughs> we need a, yeah, yet another first. one. That's the key with Batman. Yeah. Yep. Get there first. <laughs> all right. That is all we have. Jake, are you ready for the new outro? Oh, man, I'm excited. I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, here we go. You ready for this one? Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Until next week, we're putting a lid on it. 
I like it. That's classy <laughs> as fuck. Oh, cool. Put a put a lid on this shit. Put it in the yeah, fridge. Yeah, yeah, Get it back out next it's week. It's a Tupperware, you know. You have a lid. And then you, Tupperware, the outro. Yeah, okay, okay. I like it a lot. I All like right. it a lot. It's just every week you're eating the same old shit. You're just yeah. putting it back in the fridge with the lid on it. Yeah, putting the, we're putting a lid on it. Friend. Put, it's, uh, that's when you know the episode's over. So, like, next week, I'm going to be like, uh, until next week, we're putting a lid on it, and then we're out, Jake. That's it. That's the way it ends. Love it. I like it. I already forgot the old way. Yeah, I. Oh, it's terrible. The old way's terrible. Uh, I haven't forgot. It haunts me, Jake. It's like uh, the Doctor Strange trailer when he wakes up and he's from that nightmare. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's me quoting. <laughs> Spinning face into Brian's eye. Yeah, no shit. That's yeah. me quoting our, our fucking outro that we've had for the last fucking seven, eight years or whatever the fuck. Oh, man, it's a new era. I... That outro completely <laughs> it brought me back to life. I'm I'm ready for the next era of PCL now. Putting a lid on it. <laughs> there you go. It's gonna keep me fresh. All right, guys. We will see you next week. What do we got going on next week? Um, a week to Batman next week. Um, <laughs> yeah, that there is that, Jake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we closer. Not a lot, not Uncharted. a lot. Uh, J- me and Jake will have seen, hopefully, seen Uncharted by that. Uh, the uh, Dave Grohl movie, Studio 666, hits theaters. Oh, cool. And then there's a show I'm interested in seeing on Epics called From, and then No Exit on Hulu looks interesting. So, yeah, it's a Hulu. It's a movie on Hulu. It's an, it's an original, so I'm looking forward to that one. Guys, that's all we got. We're putting a lid on it. Put a lid on it. Jake, put, put it a, on. Billy, I'm putting a lid on you. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to attack our guests if they say anything and tell them I'm putting a lid on them. Good. <laughs> I like that. The new catchphrase. Billy, a li- there's a lid on you, sir. You're done. There's not all. <laughs> oh, you're testing me, boy. <laughs> double. I'm going to double lid you. All right, guys. Uh, we will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Toss it, good it, do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. I've already been done before, so we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap, even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap 